Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League Rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. Another huge weekend of action in the NRL. Ten rounds down, box head. One more week to go before the Origin sides are picked. Some sides are in disarray. There's a lot of sides grouped together in the middle, and we still have three clear standouts. Yeah, we do. Absolutely. And this time next week, we'll know the Origin sides. So it's it seemed like it was just chugging along, and it would eventually get here, but it's very real now. It's less than a month away, and the whips are cracking, and... Some players are performing, some are perishing under a little bit of pressure and that mid-season period, which is very important, is now upon us. So there's some teams that have certainly, I guess, separated themselves from the field and we outlined those three last week. But there's definitely two now, I think, that have really nestled themselves comfortably at the bottom of the ladder and they're our local team and the team I support. So not much joy for me at the moment. No, not a whole lot of joy. and uh, Probably a little bit more joy, I think, from some of the results the last week or two for some of the Queensland Maroons fans with some of their players coming back to some better form. A few Blues players not playing bad but not having the best couple of weeks. So I don't think it'll affect the way the side is picked so much. But again, always a concern when players hit a bit of a flat spot heading into an Origin Series. But kicking things off, as we always do here on the fifth and last NRL podcast, our set of six box heads, six statements, questions, thoughts... Anything we want to talk about from the weekend, tackle one has to be acknowledged. Cooper Cronk, in his retirement after this season, an absolutely outstanding footballer, uh, all class, a gentleman, a scholar. You will not find many better human beings and probably more impressive than anything. Not the most naturally gifted guy, not the most highly sought-after player during his junior days, played up in Queensland along with Slater. Cronk came through that feeder system, was identified more as a utility Played centres, hooker, back row. And then when Matt Orford left the club, uh, even with a big offer in 2006 there, they were touted as wooden spooners. Matty Johns, Craig Bellamy worked together with this kid named Cooper Cronk. Said that obviously he's basically got the brain of a computer and he's like a robot and he's willing to work hard. And through the years, it turned out to be a great decision. He just grew and he grew and he grew and he added layers to his game. His running game was always impeccable. He executed a perfect game plan. Good defensively, always pushed around the football and kicking games second to none. And I think, more importantly, like we've spoke about the human being uh, that Cooper Cronk is and the career he's ended up having is absolutely outstanding. Yeah, a few things I wanted to say on this. Exceptional career, but more so he's had to work very, very hard to get to where he is. Uh, he's produced some clutch moments. I heard a statistic over the weekend that in deciding games or games in which Queensland needed to win, they're 9-0. and So that just spells... I guess the influence he has over a, a rugby league team, but I just think classy act uh, off the field, even the way he spoke about Cameron Smith, despite 
what we know in terms of the relationship that has broken down between them. Still spoke very glowingly about Smith and the impact he had on his career and Craig Bellamy and the Storm. And I just thought it was very, very well handled. Similar to the Inglis retirement, I thought that was very, very well handled. So it's no surprise that these fantastic players that are going to be, I think Cronk and Inglis are both borderline immortals, <laughs> uh, have really handled themselves very well off the field, which is a nice change despite all the off, off-field, I guess, innuendo and incidents we've had in the last six months. But... Yeah, I just think it's important to acknowledge it. Even the, I heard him talking on 360 last night, talking about why they announced it now, because it wouldn't take away from Magic Ground. Uh, he didn't want to distract the team with the five-day turnaround. This one's a, a long turnaround, Origins next week, so he didn't want to sort of have it as a sideshow to Origin as well. So, you know, the, he's a thoughtful person, I think, is probably the most, um, you know, one of the the things that I'd say about him and um, it's reflected both in his footy and in the way he carries himself off the field. But, uh, yeah, not much more to say. No. Uh, like you said, more an exceptional career, like you said, for someone who's had to work so hard to get there, right up there on the all-time leading games list and still contributing to that at the moment. 357 career games, 99 tries, 38 caps for Australia, 22 for Queensland, five premierships, three if you don't count. Obviously, the two that were stripped for Melbourne, two Dalian medals, a golden boot, and um, like you said, more than anything, just a real humble, down-to-earth guy who, yeah, I thought that, that speech the other day was fantastic, despite what we do know about Smith and what happened there. So, uh, yeah, what a player. He's going to be missed, and he's done a great job at the Roosters, and I'm sure he will continue to do so. The thing I liked the most about what he said was, if you think that I trained hard, in this 15 years, you come and watch me train for the next 20 weeks. I think just him saying that, you know, it's it's a message for the younger generation and uh, of players that is coming through at the moment because it just, just absolutely nails why he's been so successful. Yeah. Tackle number two, Mudgy. You wanted to talk about Mudgy. Well, we went away to Mudgy on the weekend. We went and uh, watched the, the Dragons Knights uh, up at... Uh, Glen Willow Reserve, fantastic ground. We had a good spot watching from behind the sticks. The game left a little bit to be desired. Well, the performance of the Dragons did, that's for sure. But just country rugby league. There was a good buzz in the town the whole weekend. Plenty of crowds there. Uh, the races were on on the Saturday. We got up there at about midday on the Saturday. Stayed Sunday, uh, Saturday and Sunday night and came back yesterday. But uh, ran into a few people. Kenny Suckliffe, Walker Roach, Steve Edge was up there. Saw the uh, Mortimer parents of Daniel Mortimer um, in a couple of cafes and coffee shops and restaurants. Uh, we did the you know the local raffles with our, our grandparents lived up there, obviously, and uh, it was a cracker weekend. Had a great weekend. So uh, I think it's a fantastic advertisement for why uh, clubs should take games to the country. Not only the impact it had on the economy of Mudgee and the, the township there and the people, they would have loved it, but... I just think it's it's a positive. I, I, I dare say the players enjoyed it. You'd know firsthand through Vaughny uh, whether he enjoyed it or not. They, they probably don't enjoy the travel aspect of it, but I think the positive far out the way the negatives. And, you know, the fans there, that's the only real chance they get unless they travel to the Big Smoke to see their NRL yeah. stars run around. I, I thought it was very, very smart in the two teams that played there. Uh, St. George Illawarra, the local team in Mudge, the Arbor Dragons. Dragons. They've had the relationship through the charity shield They as have, well. and then they've played the closest team probably to Mudge, which is Newcastle. I don't know that, definitely. I'd say probably Penrith would be fairly close as well. Uh, but Penrith have their nest egg at Bathurst. But no, I just thought it was positive. 
Oh, it was great as well. Obviously, like you said, the game didn't leave uh, a lot to be desired and probably the majority of the crowd was pro-Dragons, but there were still plenty of Newcastle fans there, so uh, a ripper ground too in a great spot just outside of town. Easy to get to, good access. They had buses coming in and out. The town was flowing. The beer was too. Good times. It was. We didn't, we didn't have any beers at the ground because they were selling bloody mid-strength shit. Yeah, no mid-strength, only full strength for uh, us. Back at Mudgee Soldiers Club, or Club Mudgee as they call it, we, yes. uh, we didn't win jack shit on the raffles, just Try quietly. It. Try it out. Nothing. I think we spent about $70 on tickets. I want a headache. We drank ourselves stupid to get these tickets for the Joker draw. Come up, zero, duck egg on that. So yeah. punched down a chicken snitzel and went home and had a sleep. Good times. It was a great weekend though. Yeah, always a great weekend. Tackle three. Panthers-Titans, I think it's safe to say we've spent plenty of time talking about these teams, so we don't want to take too long. But at 2-9, and nine, I think we can assume that both their seasons are well and truly over. For the Titans' side of things, uh, again, questions all through the club as to recruitment policies, the coaching, the effort. There's got to be questions about everything. Mal Meninga, they brought him in. Apparently, people have now been questioning what actually is his role. Has he been hands-on? And then there's reports that he has been plenty involved, and that's clearly made no difference to the players or... What's going on there? So yeah, but again, I find this difficult because we, we're talking. We're going to defend Nathan Brown to say that the coaching, you know, there's nothing wrong with the coaching, but and then Brennan and Cleary were sort of kicking a little bit, and we want to pick and choose when we want to make the players accountable. I, for for Garth Brennan, look, I'll come out and defend Ivan Cleary here. He, I think he's done absolutely everything he possibly could to get a, a reaction out of the Panthers. He's dropped two Australian players last weekend. He's dropped some again this weekend. I thought early in the year he could have dropped Dylan Edwards a little bit earlier. Uh, but to his credit, he showed faith in him. He's stuck by Nathan and James through a tough patch. He's had to endure the hooker position. He's had the New Zealand international captain playing like an absolute bustard and sulking. Um, and that, but, but at least he's wielded the axe. At least yep. he's tried to jolt them. Garth Brennan hasn't dropped a soul. Yep. He's gone, gone around again with the same side. And look, he may come out and say well, you know, I don't have anyone else to pick. I don't think that's the message that you need to send to your playing group either. Mm. They had, to me, looking at that uh, roster, it's as good as a Titans roster is coming into the year. I was very buoyant coming into the season. You know, I think I went on a Canberra Raiders podcast before round one and I could not see the Titans losing to Canberra round one. Uh, I'm really, just really, really disappointed watching them play. Mm. Uh, I find it very hard to support them. Uh, I find it very hard to get excited about watching them. I have to be critical of the coach because things things aren't changing. The, your job as a coach is to get a reaction out of your players. And for the most part, uh, I, I can't see how Garth is trying to, um, I guess, invoke that. And, and, you know, I thought the same of, of Nathan Brown earlier in the year and they've won four in a row and, um, you know, I've got that wrong to an extent. But... Ivan Cleary, I, I, I can't see what more he could be doing. But I, I look at Garth Brennan, I think he could be doing a hell of a lot more because there's a lot of guys running around in that side that are just playing well below par. And Ash Taylor's probably, you know, subject number one in my crosshairs, but he, he's on a million dollars a year mm. to play like a reserve grader, to be polite. He doesn't want to get physical. He doesn't want to tackle. He doesn't want to go to the line. Uh, his options when he's kicking, running, passing are poor. He looks like he's lacking confidence. Whether he's playing with an injury or not, I don't know. I'm not privy to that information, but I'm judging him on his form on the field. I'm also judging them on their body language. It's horrible. They've got no no passion for the jersey at all, uh, and and they you know they they're expecting 
you all you ever hear about is why the, the Gold Coast get poor crowds. Who the fuck wants to go and watch that? Yeah. And, and part of it, I get, I get what you were saying before about the Brown thing and coaching, recruitment, invoking. I think clearly he was doing a bit more behind the scenes and I think expected more of the roster they were starting to build. For the yeah. Brennan side of things, my issue, and it has been persistent since day one, and probably very outspoken to say such a thing, but I put the death ride on him the moment he took Bryce Cartwright with him and said, like, I can change Bryce. And then There's three. There's three, right? And you've nailed the first one. Taylor was he, – he got the job. Because. He basically got the job because he came out and said, oh, I can get the best out of Ash Taylor. Ash Taylor mm. went in and supported Brennan and said, look, I yeah. really like him. We've I got a relationship, him. yada, yada. I want him. That's gone to shit. He got Bryce Carwright, which yeah. you've just outlined. Let's just he outline play how well. he got him. He didn't ask he went and paid him for full, part pay. Full he quid. agreed with Penrith that to get a proper release, release him and, him. and repay him Ridiculous. for four more years, which immediately was why Death Row the whole thing. That, that right there was pure stupidity. And um, the other one is um, Leilani Latu, who's on half a million dollars and can't play, can't play first grade. Hasn't played first grade, has been unsighted, has been at best a satisfactory bench player for the Titans. And then the off-season, I don't know if he has full control of the recruitment or what. They go and get Shannon Boyd. We don't need Shannon Boyd. They didn't. I think it would have been pretty clear to them about a lack of enthusiasm. I'm sure his manager would have handled the situation, but you paid overs for someone who hadn't played well for two years. All right, the first move I'd make, fucking Ash Taylor would be in reserve grade. AJ Brimson would go and play 5-8. Tyron Roberts goes to 7. Straight up. There you go. Go and get better. Go and force your way back in because at the moment... They're setting a culture at the Gold Coast where average is good enough. And it's not good enough. Because I, I tell you what, if this continues, I, how does that franchise continue? I support the franchise. But I, I look ahead and I go, okay, you know, there's always next year. Well, look at next year. What, what happens next year? Well, the thing is... They've got no wiggle room in the cap. They do now have financial stability moving forward. But how do you get excited, like you're saying, when you've got contracts in players that don't seem to be invested in the club at all? And it goes back to what we said before and I was rampant when Neil Henry got fired that he finally got there and created some sort of a culture where blokes were playing for each other the jersey and they stuffed it all up in 12 months because they wanted to have a sideshow with Jared Hayne look yeah that was the worst decision they made was signing Jared Hayne they derailed something that was building the right way and it wasn't flashy they made the finals that year but they got the right players in who wanted to play first grade and wanted to play for a club and played tough and now they've just gone out and done what they've done previously they've spent money on blokes that were looking for contracts they wielded the biggest contracts and they've ended up with a couple of duds who really don't want to be on the Gold Coast by the looks of things and are just taking the piss, which is the culture we saw previously yeah. with a couple of guys that used to frustrate you at the back end of their careers and then just go play Origin and then come back and play like duds I, um, at club level. Look, I watch them every week, but uh, I, I don't know what else to say. I'm look, if, still... fans, if fans think that I'm, I'm on the wrong end, feel free to write in or comment, but... Someone, someone, tell me how I get excited to watch my football team. I think Bulldogs fans, I'd be you know, excited. Bulldogs fans. I, I look at them and I go, they have a far weaker roster than we do, but they play with ten times the ticker we do. I'd be stoked Simple if I was that. a Dogs fan, and I know I say it week in, week out, but when I see Cogger doing what he's doing, firing, playing through his injuries, a couple of the guys that are there on opportunities, Remus Smith week to week. So I've got to give Dean Pay credit for the way that they're playing because I think they're. Playing well above their uh, their ability, their level of ability. But uh, you look, Penrith, we could go into a heap of shit with Penrith. Well, we don't need to. We don't all, need all we to, need to do is touch on. We, we a thought little, a few little things I've outlined earlier in the year are now coming to fruition and are now leaking. 
because there's a few disgruntled players there who are leaking things in the media. Loose lips sink ships. But what happens when you lose is people start to either point the finger inward and they own the behavior and they own their actions and they're accountable or they start to point the finger elsewhere. And when you point the finger elsewhere, you start downtrodding other people and whispers start and people start to think about me, not we. Uh, and when that happens, well, it's clear and when you've got you've got results going the way that they are, you're just going to find yourself in a very very difficult situation more off the field. I think their football at the moment on the field is all about what's going on off the field. You know, there's, there's, are they fit enough? And yeah, That's all you know, their body language is poor, and they don't look fit. But it's poor, and they don't look fit. And you know, they're fit because they got smashed like everyone else during the off season. They're yeah. fit enough. It's just because they don't want to do it at the moment. It's a chore for them. And they're lacking confidence and they're not mates. It's a lot easier to go out and play with a group of people that you love and you're friends with and you work hard with and you're all pulling in the one direction. As soon as you get guys and factions within their club uh, and you know there's elements there of why do we sack Gould? Why do we sack Griffin? We shouldn't have got Ivan back. Uh, Nathan and Ivan. Like, like There's the whole... You could cut it a whole heap of different ways and we don't even know that. But you could just... You could see how different people would sit in different factions and on yeah. different fences. And then you we know? talked about originally coaching staff, and we. Well, that's now out there. We the coaching staff aren't getting along. Well, we've said it a hundred times leading into it that there's no way they could give Serrata the job, and we knew that Gould would push that wheelbarrow, and it didn't come to fruition. And they obviously went away from that. And then even when he supposedly had Bennett, and they've shot that down, and now you hear, and obviously with the Gus not there, that uh, there's issues between Serrata and possibly Ivan as well, which is no surprise. So. As you said previously, I don't think there'll be any doubt that at the end of the year, anyone that had an association left or is not moving forward with this group and the rebuild or the changes that are happening and are loyal to Gus or disrupting anything that's going on will be given the flick. Look, I don't think I'm speaking out of school here, but the two members of staff that are under the most pressure at Penrith at the moment are the two assistant coaches because there's no way in the world that they're going to move on the head coach. No, well, clearly not. He's got a five-year deal, um, a bit like Seabold. And, and I don't know what I don't know what's who's doing what and what's happening behind the scenes there. And I'm I've, I have no doubt that Cameron Serrato is working his ass off because I've seen him do it at twenties level. He 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 applies himself as hard as any coach, and I, I'll never downtrod him personally or professionally. Um, I, I coached with him for eighteen months. Peter Wallace, we've known for a long time. Not downtrodding them at all, and I don't know what's going on behind closed door that, doors there. But when you're not getting results as a coach, the finger, and, and especially in this situation, if they were under Griffin last year, they'd be safe as hell because you know that it was it was only a matter of time before Griffin got the punt, and the assistants sort of, you know, they they're not as accountable to the results. But now you've just got a new head coach in, shit rolls downhill. So it's, the the pressure now is going to go on to the staff under him and the staff around well, him with Ivan. The so. same things also applied at the Tigers that we probably didn't say in the preseason, but because Madge come back late, when you bring in a coach of that stature, they generally get say on their staff. Yeah. Regardless of whether you've got good assistant coaches or, or you like the blokes that they are, some people like to bring their own staff. So for the Tigers this year, everything stayed in place because it was so late. But next yeah. year... They're there, all under pressure. There may be wholesale changes because he may want his own staff regardless of the job that's been done by Webster and Sander Cock, who are the two assistants now. Yeah. It's no question of their coaching ability, but Maguire no. still may be feeling that when the time comes, he wants to get his own people in. Mm. And that's no different to Ivan. They but from a relationship late. perspective, I do have a little bit of an insight into, you know, Serraldo Gould, Ivan Gould, Ivan Serraldo, and all of that was thrown up into the air when Ivan was moved on originally. 
And as much as you want to cut it, like I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of who likes who and who hates who and why and, and all the stuff that I saw. We, we've said it on this podcast a million times. The, the, the one just decision they cocked up was firing Ivan in the first, first place. place. And we said it last year. I thought it was wrong to get him back at the time. Everyone was sort of saying, I, I, was dead I, I could not believe that he took the job again. Yeah. I could not believe that he came back. Because for me, I just never saw how it was going to work. And it's been, in the short term, that's been proven correct. But just even from a work environment point of view, there's, a, there's just a whole heap of different things that you've got to deal with before you even get on the field and coach. Well, even, again, I know some people don't buy into karma or not, but to me, the whole thing... Regardless it wasn't done of, well, yeah. Regardless of whether it was for his son, and I respect the guy... And we, it wasn't we, for uh, his son at all. No, no way that opportunity is no, rubbish. They, they, would come, the they would have come... They would have come... It had nothing to do with but Nathan. Plain, plain and simple, I thought it was wrong the way he left yeah. the Tigers. And I just think with certain things like that, comes a bit of bad juju at times, and... The way things have all panned out, I wouldn't wish it upon the bloke, but it just seems kind of you know funny how things work out in the no, end. No, again, because you know, I respect the shit out of Ivan Cleary, and I've seen him work firsthand. I've seen Peter Wallace work firsthand. I've seen Seraldo work firsthand. I've seen everyone on the first grade staff there, apart from people who have come in since I've left the joint, are all magnificent coaches and trainers and medical stuff. They're all great at their job. No one gets to an NRL level being a bum, but with losing comes accountability. And Ivan is the most secure person there at the moment. So the pressure is going to go on those external members of staff. So it's just, it's a difficult situation. It's also good. The pressure goes on to the players that are on the fringe and the players that are off contract and the players that are on big money. Right. And and all the talk at the moment, it's it's reignited this week, is Maloney over to the UK. And, you know, Nathan and um, James Maloney were, were seen bluing or having at least a heated discussion at half time the other night, and I, look, I think that's healthy that's in a normal situation. Smith and but, that are that's, that's yeah, but I, but I just think it, it just shows that there are cracks appearing in a whole different, uh, you know, litany of situations and problems that Penrith have. And, well, plain and simple. But number one, they're going to just tuck up, pull their socks up, and um, you know, roll their sleeves up and just have a crack. Well, plain and simple, they're not having a crack. They got booed off the field at half time and full time. They deserve to get booed off. And you look, I went and we were going to Mudgee the next day. I was at a petrol station at six fifty. I hadn't started watching the game. The game kicked off at six. I was putting air in the tyres at St Mary's, and a family of Penrith fans pulled up, got out of the car, and I said to the lady, "What? Doesn't the game kick off at six? She said, "Yeah, we left at half time. They're disgusting." And that was it. I did. I did. Well, I thought. Well, I now know they're not. Well, I now know, sort of know the score, but it, it was it was fourteen nil. So it wasn't a blowout by any means, but it's a decent lead. But it's more it was how just they got the to fourteen. It was the effort in watching the first half. You could tell they weren't going to turn it around. That's plain and simple. But mm. probably giving this too much time as we always have. But I think it's safe to say for both teams, their season's over. What happens to Garth Brennan? I don't know. Uh, he initially, well, what are they going to go to get get there? They've got to go ten and four. Well, that's not even a guarantee. 12 wins got you in a couple of years ago. Last year, 15 was the bottom because the top end won so heavily that it banked up to 15 from all the way to 8th to 3rd. This year, it doesn't look like that because there's so many teams... Sorry, they're almost out. There's so many teams piled at the bottom that, as funny as it sounds, at 2 and 9, they're realistically not out. There's only 14 games to go. I get that, but the bottom end of the 8 right now is only 3 wins away. So if you can put a streak together, the question is, and why we're saying it, is I can't see them putting a streak together. No. And you're also telling me those teams in front aren't going to keep winning. Well, the Titans haven't played the Roosters. They haven't played Melbourne. They've played South, and they played South strong. This was also my but point about the Roosters. I'm pretty sure we played both of them twice. So the, there's four games we're going to lose straight away. The Roosters had already played everyone that was in the top eight at present. 
And during the rep period, they'll get the easier teams. Yeah. When they're missing players, it doesn't mean they'll necessarily win those games. But they've already done, you'd probably say, the harder part of the draw. Um, teams like the Raiders had the easier part of the draw to start the year when you look at the ladder and the way things have panned out. Now they've played the top three sides. They've given a good account in all those games, but yeah. they've won those games. But at the same time, again, you look at how their season's going to pan out, possibly only one player in origin. So they're probably going to keep winning games. So it's not going to have as big an effect. Difficult, isn't it? But for these two, I can't see much changing to get on a streak. For Penrith's side of things, there's also changes that I just don't know where they're going to go to. The one that's glaring to me right now is that Edwards came back in, made a couple of errors, didn't have a good night. The ball-playing side of things just isn't happening. I'm just looking at Jerome Lillewise sitting on there as an impact nine, thinking I want you to play one. They need some kind of X factor at the back of the field. And it's not going to come well, from... Well, he's going to play in the halves this week because mine is out. I get that. But when they're, if he's back and they've got him there and Dallin's not playing to that standard and he's sulking and kicking stones, I'll, I need something coming from the back end of the field. They're not getting it out of nine. They're not getting it from one at the moment. It needs to change somewhere. Mm. So if they get them back on the field, I'd, I'd be putting a little light fullback. Yeah. That's one change I'd be looking to make. Other than that, they've already made a few changes to some young guys and given them some time. But when the whole of your group's playing that way, downtrodden, everyone's focused on things happening elsewhere but the football field, it's yeah. not going to turn around quick. But moving on, tackle forward to another team, unfortunately, not having a good time with things is the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Start the year, obviously, with those two close losses, pressure on the coach, pressure on why they're playing extra spine members. They've bought in an extra half. They don't have Woodup going. Jack's no stand-down thing, obviously, it all turns around. Widop gets injured. The spine settles. They lift. They end up winning four in a row. Then they head into a little bit of a rough spot here with the last two weeks. They've got out the two leads, blown two results. There's been some interchange blunders. There's been questions about not making changes to the lineup or not using the bench correctly. Jack, obviously, uh, didn't win his case this week, so they now know he's gone, and that really seemed to have maybe had an effect on the weekend and take the air out of their tyres because McGregor came out in the press conference after and basically said they were expecting him to be free to play. They were really confident he was going to win, and that didn't happen. But to go from all the negatives to then four in a row and all the noise quietens down, it's funny how quickly it comes roaring back. Three poor losses, and in particular, after the two games they led to be 28 nil at halftime in this one. Um, and just week in, week out, seems to be the same things, which is what he said. Same players making errors, in particular taking aim at some of the back three or five players making errors at set starts and putting extra pressure on their forwards to have to defend, and they couldn't hold. And then, obviously, we've said it multiple times. Clearly, they're not confident within some of the guys in their top 30 because they refuse to make some changes. Uh, they they looked incompetent in the middle of the field on the weekend. That, well, that's it's, as, it's hard when you just don't have the ball, though. They didn't have the no, ball. No, I understand that. But just from a defensive spacing system, structure, tackle, tech, marker work, A and B defender, talk... Because the ground was very quiet. That's one thing. that It was quiet and you could hear... Because the majority We were so close, yeah. But even early on, it was quiet. And when they were getting torn apart, there was no talk. Dufty wasn't talking loud enough. Uh, He wasn't in close enough to really pull his A and B defenders in tight enough to know where they are. A lot of the time, the A and B defenders weren't getting there because they're not winning their tackle and they're retreating laid out. Um, So you're having players having to travel to each side of the ruck. Uh, And then when you've got Pierce and... Ponga playing just as well as what they are and with the time to play into the line and sh- and played really direct, it's a recipe for absolute disaster and they just met their maker almost on Sunday, the Dragons. I don't know where they go from here because to me you've got Graham Vaughan and McInnes who are three very, very strong middle defenders. Uh, you've got Sims and Frizzell on the edges. You've got Blake Laurie who is more than competent. To me their bench is is letting them down to an extent. They're having to play their middles for a lot longer than what they probably want to. 
Uh, they're not holding the ball, like you said. Their discipline was poor. I thought Ben Hunt put them under a lot of pressure by kicking the ball dead on two or three occasions, particularly early on in the game. So a lot of the a lot of the issues that they're having are all self-inflicted. Yeah. So they're fixable. And I'm a firm believer in the Dragons. I think they've got a, a, a good enough roster to challenge to be in the top four. But while ever they're making errors and they're just killing their own momentum within games, they might as well be a bottom eight side. Yeah, I don't disagree. But and it's, I, I it's, also it's look... time now, and Paul McGregor has made some changes. He's got to shake the stick a little. He's got to get a reaction out of this team because at the moment, it's simply not good enough. The, the body language behind the try line, there wasn't a lot of talk. There's a lot of guys with hands on their hips. They're, they're shaking their heads. They've got their heads down. The trainers are coming out late. They're not really talking a lot to the players. Like I can feel some of the frustration in what he said, though, with his middles, with his back three, because when you've got guys playing big minutes injured, and we know a couple of them are playing busted, and you're making errors in the back, and then your halves are kicking seven tackle sets. When you do get possession, you're just busting your ass and playing those long minutes. You don't have a chance. No, you're, the not same getting, time, you're not getting an argument out of me. This is coming back to that thing, like I said, also about the competency. Though, if you're going to lock up all your money from six to thirteen, you have to find bargains, or you have to find depth or guys you can rely on. And we're going to move on in a minute to Manly. Look what Manly have done. Most people hammered him, said it was the worst backline before things kicked off, and we weren't too far off that. And a couple of guys in the squad. No, we didn't say that. Well, it didn't say it was the worst, but no, it wasn't the most crash shot looking back line you've ever seen. But you look at what they're doing right now and the value. They, I thought they went a little bit hard on Manly. I, I thought Manly were worse, much worse from a roster perspective last year. That's why I tipped them for the spoon last year. But this year I was not quietly confident they could make the eight, but I thought they'd be from uh, from ninth to twelfth, and I still think that's where they'll end up. But say like a Josh Kerr got a run on the weekend, but he's been there for a couple of years now. They either like him or they don't. A decision needs to be made. Mitchell Allgood's been there for two seasons. I don't even know if he's played more than one or two games yet. Lattimore, I think he's well past it. He does a solid job for 15, 20 minutes when he's on there, but he's also a liability defensively. I think James Graham, I said at the start, I didn't like the three-year deal. I think he's already well past his best as far as the money and the years they've got invested in him. Tristan Saylor hasn't played first grade. Jackson Ford, they've invested in a lot of these guys. They're not confident in playing a lot of them. And then one of the only guys they are confident in playing is a backup hooker. But they're forced in their lineup this week, which tells me that they're going to rely on McInnes to play as a lock defensively because they don't trust the forwards they've got. So they're going to push in the second night. So that also goes back to Ian Millwood when I get, I said it last week, when you've got recruit managers who look towards long-term future, will do a better job of getting better guys in your top 30 that you can utilise. Mm. So you can drop players or you feel like you can make those decisions when the time comes. And then on top of that, like Jonas Pearson's in this week. No offence, I thought I saw enough of him at Brisbane to know that I don't think he's you know, an outstanding first grader. I hope he does prove me wrong. Lachlan Moreno, he was average. The Broncos went and played rugby union, could barely get a run there, and then they picked him up as well. Like, what, what are you doing with your edge spots? You're just filling them for the sake of filling them? Yeah. Go out and delve a bit more. Watch more New South Wales Cup, Queensland Cup. Look in England like Ivan did before he left the Tigers there and found a couple of bargain buys and Corey Thompson and that. You need to do a better job with your whole top 30. And that's, yeah, something they've definitely got to address. <sighs> Tackle five. Hard to argue. Manly, as we just said, just want to give a massive rap to Des Hazard because like we said at the start of the year, question marks... Would he change? Would he be willing to change the situation there, the salary cap, some of the players, the way things ended last year? And he seems to iron out everything. Uh, you know, Martin Tapao, they said there was some disrupt about him and Adam Fanua Blake and possibly wanted to move out of the club. They're both playing outstanding football. They're now secure where they are. They locked up a couple of guys as soon as he got there. Manisi Farn is playing absolutely out of his skin, which is putting pressure on Coruscant in turn, and he's playing good football. Brad Parker, I wasn't too sure of. Brendan Elliott's been at a bunch of clubs. He's filling in, in a key role at fullback and absolutely killing it in the time he's been there. Ruben Garrett gets an opportunity. He's done a solid job. 
Uh, Parker, like we said, Tafua's back to playing some of his better football. Joe Thompson sparked up, and the talk of him possibly going to England, I think he may have told him that if you can show me what I know you've got, you can possibly stay here. Syrian's playing good football. Corey Waddell was a great buy. Kate Cust, former man of the match for them there under 20s grand final, filled in amicably on the weekend, did a great job. And Kane Elgy looks like the Elgy we saw at the Titans and we had high hopes for. Mm-hmm. So they've gone from the opposite problem where we look and go, and it's probably not a strong top 30 depth-wise, to having multiple halves, two good hookers, uh, more than capable filling at fullback, and the best position to have depth is spine positions. And they've still got DC and Tommy Trebojevic to come back in, and they've had some bad luck in some other key spots as well. Yeah. So I think full credit to Manly, and just probably the most important thing is the grit and intensity in their goal line defense. Plenty of grit. Best goal line D in the comp, I reckon. They are yeah, close just, enough too. I'd, I'd put him in the conversation. Well, well above, true, well and truly above where I thought they'd be, and he's getting more out of less. Still, more, basically, what we expect of those better coaches and the things we see from like Craig Bellamy and those kind of guys. He's getting a lot more out of people you wouldn't have thought of. Uh, and now it goes from what we were saying where we thought maybe they didn't have depth to having a really good 30-man squad possibly Correct. and some guys and some really cheap deals. So mm-hmm. full credit to Manly. And the last one, tackle six, as we have been doing the last few weeks, origin update. I'm pretty much settled on what I'd pick for New South Wales. Boxhead. Me too. Uh, but I want to see another round. I want to see everyone get through uninjured, obviously. And uh, yeah, just, just there's a few there that I think Freddie's going to have some trouble with, but I banged the drum very, very early and I stuck by it from around three or so onwards. I went back and listened and I said that Cody Walker would be considered for me or be in my side or I definitely wouldn't have Maloney regardless this year, even in our previews. I said I would have forced him to retire and move on. I think he was well and truly out of calculations a few weeks ago and I had no doubt I'd have Kiri over Cleary at this point in time. But between Cody Walker uh, and obviously Luke Kiri, I couldn't see it any other way. I can see the fact that you could play Reynolds and Kiri to get that kicking game. They want to comp together at South in 2014 and have Cody as a utility. But as a utility, I'm still not sure quite how you'd utilize him. I feel he would be more like Peachy in the sense that you wouldn't use him unless you really, really had to. I'm still a bigger fan of playing Cody Walker at six with Luke Kiri, unfortunately for Adam Reynolds, and having Ryan Madison as that utility as I feel he can cover multiple spots. And it's not just somebody there for the sake of yeah, being I think there. we've said the whole year along that we'd have... And Madison's we'd another have, one I'm taking uh, credit for. A lot of people... We'd have Walker and, and Kiri, but it was just a matter of whether you're going to drop Nathan and how you're going to get Walker into the side. That was more my issue with it. And I'm still uh, just going to hold my cards on that one and just see how things pan out over the weekend. Well, I'm all in. And I was, again, I went early on Madison as well. And but I we'll think... post our origin size, I think, before they get named. We'll post them on the page. And... Well, you'd have to agree. I don't think I'm too far off from the Madison thing either. I don't, I don't know. Freddie's coached him before, so I think that's got to be a real positive. Yeah. I think the big one that's still left over, everyone's still wondering about the right and centre wing pairing. Uh, I'm not going with Morris. I've seen a lot of people come out and say go with Morris for that defensive thing. That's not how we work things. I think for Jesse Raymond's lack of ball that he's received, that Newcastle, the year he had last year with good football, he's seen what he can do with the ball, and they haven't conceded a try down that edge why he's played. Why wouldn't they pick Rainey? Defensively. And I think defensively... Why the he's... hell... Like, with all due respect to Josh Morris... Well, we, had, are we moving forward? Time. He's had his time. Are we moving forward or are we not? And then we're talking about bringing Dugan back in. Has people been watching Dugan play his club football in some of the positions he has played? But either if, you, if you're going to rule Ferguson out based on behaviour, you've got to rule Dugan No, 100%. But thing. even on form, though, I don't care how many injuries you've got, I'd still take Raymond before I take Dugan at never, this point I've never liked Dugan. Dugan never, never rated him as a player. 
Um, he's so, had a few good games, but from a consistency perspective, that's what makes you elite. And Kotrick, he's never been consistently brilliant. Kotrick played on the right on the weekend in centre. I thought he had a really good game. He can play fullback. He can play a wing. I don't think it's going to be a struggle. Kotrick's in if he goes on the right wing. So. It has to be in. To me, I think those two spots are settled. It's more the makeup of the bench. I think the rest of the starting side basically picks itself, and the halves thing is a decision of his own. But I don't think it's rocket science. It's between Kiri Walker. Reynolds on the Queensland side of things. I think Jared Wallace threw his hand up definitely on the weekend. To oh, get himself. I still throw Cleary. I, I thought Cleary had a decent game. I didn't think he had a bad game on the weekend. I didn't think he had a fantastic game. But well, he's not really been helped, as we've said all along, by his forward pack. And he's still carrying... Well, if you just watch him defend and uh, watch his kicking game, he made a couple of really, really nice kicks in that game. Um, I just think those guys are in better form, though. Full stop. So I, I happily... Yeah, I agree with that. But so are their forward packs. Yeah, so, I get that. But they're um, having a bigger effect on the game. Look, and... I just... It, at this point in time, if it gun to my head, you had to pick today, I'm going with the form guys, definitely. Yeah. But I'm just waiting and, you know, I, I think it's smart that Freddie's not saying anything publicly because if you said, look, I'm going to go with the form guys and Nathan's not playing well enough and then one of them goes down injured and you have to pick Nathan, you've already downtrodden him and made him um, question his ability and whether he can handle that level with his current form. So Freddie's played it smart. Let's just Let's just get to the selection table and hope that we're lucky enough to have Reynolds, Keary, and Walker there available for selection. Even Pierce, I'll throw Pierce's name in before I throw well, Cleary's in if you're going to pick on form. Uh, and let's just hope that they're all fit and available and Freddie's got a tough decision to make. Yeah, for the Queensland side of things, like I said, there were some positives on the weekend. I think Norman, uh, uh, sorry, Morgan had a good game. Uh, Morgan did, yeah. I think a couple more of those forwards. Ben Hunt's a concern. Ben Hunt is a bit of a concern, but playing at nine, uh, you know, I think they don't have many choices at this point in time. I think the forwards showed a bit more. On the weekend, Hess had one of his better games. Uh, obviously, Matt Scott, if they do want to go that way, I think Napa, since he's come back in, has tried to play a lot better. Papali's been outstanding. And I said a couple of weeks ago, a few people have been questioning that. That's ridiculous. He's been in red-hot form. Arrow, I have no doubt Maguire will not struggle to play middle minutes in that rotation, and they won't be playing him huge minutes. But he'll, he'll do enough even after a couple of weeks off. He's a big-minute player. I have no concern over him. And your edges pick themselves. Well, I think Felice has been underutilized at Melbourne. I still think he'll go with him and Matt Zaletri on the back row. So their main question is backline makeup. If DC is not healthy, again, I think DC will be healthy and play with Munster. So Morgan will either be the utility if they don't choose to use him as a centre, and then I think your centre is a gag eye with Chambers, and you've probably end up with Oates on one wing and felt his first few games back spent safe on the other wing. If they don't feel probably, that way, I'd pick Morgan and then play yeah. Gago on the wing. Well, that's where they're going to go. Obviously, if they're not confident in felt and they don't, if they want to have Morgan as a utility. Or they want him in the centres, but I don't think there's going to be. Asako, Queenslander, Jermaine Asako. Jermaine Asako played for New Zealand, so he's not playing already. Okay, so I don't think there'll be many surprises on their side there, but we'll wait and see after this weekend. Power rankings. Moving on to that, brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. We've had a few people call up on behalf of the Fifth and Last Podcast. I have seek out some systems. So for anyone else out there, again, it's the way of the future. Solar, get on board. Your bills are definitely not getting any cheaper. Renewable energy is the way forward. And as they say, defense is the best offense. So what defense have you got against uh, the nasty situation of rising power bills? Penrith Solar Center is Western Sydney's leading solar specialist. Whilst you have little control over your team's outcome, the expert team at PSC is devoted to giving you control of your power bills back. Let the sun work for you, your home, and your back pocket. Save thousands per year in energy costs. It may be the difference between good or great seats at the NRL Grand Final. Contact Penrith Solar Center today. 1800 to discuss how they can make you the real winners this season. www.penrosolar.com.au And big jakey boy, 
just got back from Germany. He was in Germany, yeah. Gone to check out some cool cells, yeah. The main supplier of mm. the solar panels, yeah. Good times. Mm. Power rankings, number one. Uh, no surprise, I think. South Sydney have now moved into number one. They have, Rabbitohs. Another gritty win. Still missing a couple of players, but they just keep finding but a again, way. You're just going to be shuffling the deck chairs with these top three. Oh, no, I think the top two are the only ones you're really going to shuffle. But yep. no, number two, no surprise, the Roosters. I didn't lose any yep. respect for them. Roosters. Short turnaround. Couple Storm of players three. missing. Storm, uh, ugly, but again, this is the difference to yeah, these top number teams. Number four. Find a way to I've win. i got the Raiders. I don't. I've got Manly. Good. Manly have beaten the Raiders. They're, regardless of who's been in and out of their side, they've just gritted their way. To some yeah. tough wins. Well, I've got the Raiders. Look, they lost to South and the Roosters very, very close. Uh, I like what they're doing. Yeah, well, Manly, I've got Manly at five. Manly also beat South, so that's another reason I'm yeah, giving them a run. Them. Canberra, they're at five for me. Like you said, they've been in those three games, but they haven't won them. Uh, another tough game of the weekend. They almost got there, but not quite, but very impressed with the way they've been playing so far this year. Yep. Number six, Newcastle. Yeah, the Knights. They're in. Four in a row. Four in a row. That was the one I wanted to see, though. Fords. And not only do they win, they spanked them. 100%. And four in a row is no easy feat. So good form, playing well, forwards going forward, spines doing their job, all things ticking over right there. Number seven, I've left Cronulla there. I still haven't lost too much respect. They've got a, still got a heap of injuries. I don't think Pryor or Fafita were healthy when they played the other day. Four guys still would come back on their side. Uh, and plus the teams under them, I just think they're still better than some of the teams uh, that may be around the eight or near the eight. Yeah, I'm struggling with this one, man. Outside of that top six... Um, I'm going to go with the West Tigers. I think they had a really good win over Penrith, and then they had uh, what I thought was a really, really good performance against the Melbourne Storm. So, despite losing, I'm going to uh, I'm going to slot them into my power rankings well, this week. They closed mine out at number eight. I was very close yeah. to putting the Broncos in uh, good form, but again, the last time they gave us one of those really good efforts from their young kids, the week after wasn't so crash hot. They beat Manly after they lost some players, and this weekend, why well, I thought they were impressive again. Roosters five day turnaround. Players missing. Tokyo went off with a groin injury during the game. Jared looked like he was done at halftime, took his strapping off, come back out in the field. So I'm yep. not downplaying the win, but I just want to see them go to New Zealand this week and hopefully get another win, win before and Origin. Get and then I'll, I'll be right on board with And the then Brisbane. they're in the mix. Yeah, look, I've got uh, the Sharks at eight, but I could have had the Eels, I could have the Warriors, could have the Broncos, could have the Dragons, could have the Cowboys. I think Tigers, Eels, Sharks, Warriors, Broncos, Dragons, Cowboys, all to me, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Well, Parramatta for From week to week, good luck picking. Like, right now, who have I got the most confidence in to make the eight out of Tigers, Eels, Sharks, Warriors, Broncos, Dragons, Cowboys? I would say probably the Broncos. But... I'd say the Sharks. Just who's got... I mean, who's got the most upside? Yeah, well, it'll be the Broncos and the Sharks. If they're healthy, who's got the most upside? Who's got the most upside back to me is the Sharks, and they've still been gritting all their games. They're five and five. They they take that. Yeah. And Newcastle... The power rankings, they're interesting, and and they'll get more interesting come the origin period when things get a little bit murky and sides get injuries and teams have players out. But usually during uh, origin, we sort of... We only do them once a fortnight or once once a month because it's just oh, the competition just goes to I, shit. I, I just don't change them very much because it's hard to gather off yeah. results when players have been missing uh, or but not look, backing this, up. This week, heading into Origin, is vitally important for teams like the Broncos, Dragons, Cowboys, uh, Sharks, who all sit outside the eight, who are going to have players go out for Origin. Uh, and you look where the Warriors are positioned with little impact on, from State of Origin. They're sitting in a nice little period there if they can... Bank some wins while teams are a little bit weaker. They could even find themselves in the eight post-origin and uh, with the run home ahead of them. 
Yeah, and that's the big thing we say every year about your better teams doing the work early. The Roosters have done the work early. Souths at 9-1 and one have done the work early. And Melbourne to be 8-2. I, I wasn't expecting that, so they've done the work early as well to yeah. buy themselves some leeway. During so a few period. changes there, I guess. But, um, yeah, those middle-of-the-pack teams, it's always this way. You just don't know what you're going to get week to week, and that's why they're in and out of the eight because they're inconsistent. True that. Into the reviews of the games from the weekend, Melbourne Storm 24-22 over the Tigers. In all honesty, I thought the Tigers were outstanding. They did all the things you need to do with the Storm. They turned up. They got into the grind. I thought they ran harder. They generated ruck speed. They moved the point of attack and disrupted Melbourne, trying to slow them down. Anytime Melbourne tried to shift or get a quick play of the ball, they laid in. They really dirtied the rucks and just put pressure on Melbourne, made it ugly and challenged Melbourne in every single facet of the game. And the number one thing, they completed high. You hold the ball, you pressure Melbourne, you go set for set with them. The unfortunate thing, though, was it was right at the death uh, in a game that I can honestly say I don't think Melbourne deserved to win where they just made two poor reads. An offload and a couple of guys came in field and Seve just slides through and crashes over. And then the last one there when they drifted across field, they had two or three guys come across for one player and Kenny Bromwich, who sold a dummy, turned Chambers back under and then he had two or three guys that should have probably tackled him and he got there. The, the put down at the time, I was worried. I thought it was quite questionable, but they sent it up a try. He looked like he maintained control of it. But I honestly feel like the Tigers, as we've said before, uh, you know, deserve to win that game but at the same time those top teams their worst game they still win or they get very very close and Melbourne now are 3-5 and five in games that have been decided by less than 2 points the Roosters one they obviously lost by a field goal the Sharks one they lost by 2 points and then that Cowboys one I'll put in as another close game where they only won it right at the death by 6 but that's the difference right now in, in close games they're 4-6 and six. Yeah. so at the end of the day, that's the difference between you getting in the eight and not getting in the eight. Always say it. In those close games, I'll back Melbourne. Yeah. Benji uh, Marshall. Benji Marshall was fantastic. Was he controlled the game really, really well. Alloy A was massive and he's off contract this year. Um, teams I'm looking Isn't it at. funny how you can be a talented side, you know, the difference between their best and worst uh, is minimal. Mm. And a side with not as much talent like the West Tigers can play a nine out of a ten game and still lose. Still lose. And then the other week they and got just this by 50. the fallacy of the fucking salary cap. Please. And it's this... an even competition, my ass. Anyway, ran over. Right. Moving on from that one. Uh, I thought LIA again. Well it's not. The the competition's not even. Because you look at the superstars that Melbourne have got, West Tigers can't land one. Well, there's still, uh, and they're still, still punching some pretty and punching ordinary and punching players and punching. in Melbourne's side, though. You can't no, I agree with superstars. that. I agree with that. But the salary cap's a fallacy. Anyway. So it should be pointing your direction to a few other places, I think, before you point the finger at Melbourne. I'm not pointing the finger at Melbourne. I'm pointing the finger at the competition as a whole because mm. the cap's a fallacy. Still, players need to want to go to clubs, and obviously, mm. you know, that, that's another issue that, uh, you know, isn't really fixed by the salary cap. But end of the day, uh, LIA again. Well, they, they go to places because they get paid more wedge. Yeah, well, some people don't want to go to certain places either. I think North Queensland struggles. Well, because they lose. And why do they lose? Because they well, don't have players. Do you want to live in North Queensland? Some players don't want to live in North Queensland. Okay. Some blokes don't like moving to Melbourne. They don't generally sign a million bucks established players. A good coin Melbourne generally sign young kids and have to develop them through their system. People like going to South and the Roosters and the Broncos. Because they win. Ten years ago, South went winning. No one wanted to go. And they're big clubs. But, yeah, in yeah. decent spots to live. But for the fifth time, LIA, very good game. Off contract, I think he's going to be highly sought after. Alex Twal, uh, again, week to week, he's been excellent. I don't know what's happened there uh, with Michael Maguire or what's happened with him, but his development has just been rapid this year. Madison, another solid game, but, yeah, just those two reads late really hurt them. Uh, Benji Marshall, good game. On the Melbourne side of things, I think it's been on TV. It's been spoken about. We've spoken about every single week. That right edge needs to be addressed, uh, whether it's been Seve, whether it's been Scott, 
Vunavalu at times also very questionable. Brody Croft, and then I saw a number earlier. I think it was three tries through the middle, two tries on their left edge, but they've conceded 17 or 18 on their right-hand side after 10 weeks. So it's pretty obvious when you play in Melbourne where you go to with the football. Yeah. Um, on the Melbourne side of things, thought Pappenhausen, he's obviously been a revelation. Former Tigers junior, another one that Melbourne's taken that they haven't had faith in. Addo Carr, Marika Corabetti. Pappenhausen, they said, was too small. I'm sure they're regretting that decision right now. Uh, former Australian schoolboy. He was just excellent. That try out of nothing was just dazzling. Every time he touched the football, thought Dale Fanu can put his hand up again for origin honours. And Besides that, I, I didn't think Melbourne were that great. In particular, a lot of their middles, I thought, let them down. Kenny Bromwich, underrated. Had a good performance again. Mm. So Moving on from that one. Warriors-Panthers, 30-10. to 10. Doesn't need a lot of explanation, like we said before. They've hit rock bottom. They're a team of individuals. There's no soul. There's no spirit. There's no intent. They bombed some opportunities there. They had to drop one over the line. Farah couldn't execute a simple pass to the winger. Edwards made a couple errors, and he catch pass. Um, they were frustrated. They were yelling at the ref, Maloney. Tarmow gave him a bit of a spray as well. And how easily they conceded to the middle or got carved up to the middle. They missed 22 tackles in the first 20 minutes. The game was over at halftime. Uh, they're just a shamble. And for the Warriors, it was... Easy pickings. Their set starts were kicked off by Sheck, Fusitua, Marmolo, Parsi. That's try he scored where he basically carried four guys over. was ridiculous. Nikarima walked through the biggest hole you've ever seen. And Roger Tuivasa Sheck had an absolute field day. But for them, I think some changes they've made also the last few weeks have been key for them. Harris, back on his edge health, he's playing well. Pat Herbert's tightened up a hole that they had there with Qatar that was awful defensively. Tavunga being able to play as like a middle 13 and an extra half who can ball play and just run and break tackles and getting Lawton out there for a change of speed for Isaac Luke. I think they've just made some good discoveries the last few weeks to the balance of their squad and the way they play their football. Yeah. Hard to know where this form lines up. I'd go more with the form from the week before when they beat the Dragons, but then they come out and get spanked by Newcastle. But the Warriors have won those two games, uh, two games that they really needed to win if they uh, wanted to make the finals. And... Got the job done. I thought Isaac Luke was was really, really good in this game. The halves controlled it well. Forwards went forward, but Penrith were diabolical. I take more out of how bad Penrith were um, than, you know, anything that the Warriors did. But Warriors got the two points and they'll uh, they they head into a game this week which is really, really important. A team in the Broncos who are coming over to New Zealand who are in a similar position to them in terms of position on the table, a vital, vital game. No questions, an argument there. Uh, Parsi, excellent, like we said. Herbert, Roger, two of us, Sheck every week. Nick Arima looks a lot freer playing in there with green control and Sheck at the back, helping him out. He can just stick to the game, uh, the highlight of his game, which is his running game. Lots of positives. Uh, Campbell Gillard, apparently 200 metres on the weekend. He's back in to the side this week. Mansour scored a try. He's also back in. Um, you know, there's a few guys there when we talk about changes or possible changes. You've got to wonder about a few guys as well. Like Jack Hetherington was another guy whose name was on everyone's lips last year. He hasn't been barely sighted this year, so clearly something's going on with him. He's injured, I think. Form-wise, he's been playing cup, for sure. Okay. Yeah, Harmo Sello, he's kind of been in and out. Uh, Louis Toso, not to debut. Paypua, not to debut. Uh, I think Lainu and Blaw, like we said before, I'm pretty sure they're not part of the top squad as of yet. That Luai change to fullback is one I definitely look at making when Maloney gets back. And Out of Edwards and Aikens, to be honest, I don't think Aikens did anything wrong to get dropped compared to the way that Edwards has been playing, but... Mm. Clearly they need a spark And a congratulations again to Brian too He got upgraded and made his debut on the weekend Not the best of games to debut in And he did make uh, one error But a very proud moment for a bloke who's worked very hard Apparently he got 105 tickets And had family and friends there So um, yeah, good on him Broncos Roosters 
to 10. Eight in a row previous, but no Cordner in this one. No friend. Tupo pulls out. Ryan Hall plays after 12 months of being out with an ACL injury. You think Matrell was in this one kind of busted. Uh, like I said, Rhea Argraves at halftime took his strapping off, ended up coming back on. Tokyo only played 20 minutes because of a groin injury. I don't want to take anything away from Brisbane, but it is a big ask with injuries and guys not playing to go a five-day turnaround, fly home from Brisbane. I'm sure they probably only would have had a day or two a recovery session and video and fly straight back up. Uh, but the most impressive thing, I guess, for Brisbane is they showed some resilience. They built pressure. The Roosters came after them late. They held on their goal line defense and their intent all night. They met the Roosters physically, especially Jared Rhea Hargraves. They met him. Payne Haas, for a 19-year-old, to be churning out the minutes, the meters, and making the impact in the game he has been having is absolutely incredible. I think that's given more confidence to Matt Lodge, who I thought had a few quieter weeks. He had a huge game the other night as well. Offer Hengawi. He's getting on board, Pangai Jr. And I was happy to see one of those bigger-name forwards who's off contract finally come out and say something to back Anthony Seabold. Oates says he wants to stay. Seabold said, oh, sorry, Pangai said if he was thinking about going to South with Wayne Bennett, he already would have followed him. He likes what Seabold's doing, and he's interested in staying in the club as well. So I think, as we spoke about the other week, changing that culture, nutting out guys that don't want to be a part of it and changing the way they play and moving forward. Yeah, it's key. Seabold's... Obviously, had to be a little bit patient, and plenty of people and ex-players have come out and spoke out a bit early, in my opinion, and carried on for six or seven blokes, as we've said, that have played less than 10 first-grade games, but it's going to take time to bear fruit, and we're slowly starting to see it, and hopefully, we see another result this week. Mm. But Tommy Dearden, how good was he on the weekend? 18-year-old. Yeah, he's going well. He's developing really well. You know, every week he's getting better, which is just key, absolutely key, uh, and... The Broncos, yeah, that, that's a big win for them. More so for their confidence. I think they always had that sort of result in them, but it's just a confidence builder and a vitally, vitally important game on the weekend heading into the bye. It's a four-point game over in New Zealand. And again, the magnitude of this game, I think, will be measured by the end of the year because uh, that f- the four-point swing that it's going to cause for either the Warriors or the Broncos, I think, is going to be significant in who makes the eight. Yeah. I think the other important thing here, that key change, obviously, as we said, has had an effect on Anthony Milford. They've got someone barking orders, controlling the side, getting around. Their forward pack's laying a platform. Milford's able to pick his moments, which has helped his running game, his kicking game, his creativity. And then they have Jake Turpin in at nine, who's been outstanding the last few weeks. He's given him a point of difference. He's manipulating the ruck. He's line speed and defense. He's not just trying to make good, solid contact and win tackles. Like He's trying to hurt blokes. He's been a difference maker. And Seguiara... A uh, good moment for him, I guess. Almost unwanted by a few clubs in the off-season. There were some murmurs that he had some interviews and a few clubs weren't interested. He's been playing cup. He signed with the Sharks. He was deregistered from the Sharks because they had the salary cap dramas. Seabold and the clubs caught on him. They play him on the weekend and he comes up with the winning try in that game. So, good start for him. And again, a, a couple of small changes has made a hell of a lot of difference to their side. And a lot of these younger forwards and a couple of guys that we had some questions over and what was going on seem to all be buying in now. So from the outside looking in for a guy like James Roberts, it's on him now to basically come to Seabold and the club and say that he wants to be a part of things and do the right thing to get back in the site. Shibasaki showed he was more than capable to live up to the expectations and the junior talent he's had coming through these Queensland rep sides and Tony Staggs we know is more than solid in his side of the field. So right now, everything seems to be positive moving forward for the Broncos. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Roosters, like you said, no respect lost on my side of things. A couple of injuries in this period is going to be tough for them, but luckily for them, they've banked some wins early. So, key thing for the Roosters. Dogs, Titans, uh, again, don't need to say too much. 22-16, 16-0 lead. Uh, they blew it. 
basically. They had plenty of opportunities to still ice this game, to get out, moments to score, and couldn't take them. That shot at penalty goal near the back end of the game to take a lead, missed that as well. Uh, there was the charge down moment for Wallace, which was a good effort, but turned out to be a knock-on, and there was other opportunities inside 20 where they just didn't execute. And then on the last play of the game, Ash Taylor has a chance with the ball and just basically surrenders with the football. So very frustrating, but I have to give full credit to the Bulldogs. They were down. They were killing themselves the first 20 minutes. Penalties, errors, just parking the Titans down there into the field. Ash Taylor actually probably had a decent 15, 20 minutes from what I saw, getting his hands on the football and having some contribution. But Jai Arrow, the run that he had to set up the first try, um, the energy that was coming out of him and a couple other guys, Brimson, things look very positive. But for that last 60 minutes, it just slowly unraveled. And the edge defense on the left side in particular, where I think it's Don Arthurs was on that side of the field this week, Ash Taylor, and how easy Kieran Foran got to lob a couple of passes to Ockenbohr. Uh, yeah. Just jamming in and looking. That's yeah, crap. And that they weren't even coming up with players. Though. They are all just turned all the way in and rushing in. Like Two of those passes were some of the, the easiest decisions for a half to make. Um, and, and then the Cogger one on the other side of the field where it's, he just turned two blokes under and everyone's just held. They had numbers to solve that. No one went and got them in. Mm-hmm. He literally just slid straight through with absolute ease to score that try. Correct. Uh, overall, I, similar to what you're saying, I, I don't really know where they're supposed to go from here, but I'm with you on the fact that if you're nine, two and nine and you're not getting a response from a million-dollar half and a couple other players, Riley Jacks, AJ Brimson, a couple other guys there. Hipgrave has been kind of in and out of the side. Whitbread, who's played some okay games. If you've got other guys there, play it. Send a message to a few guys if they're not playing well. I think finals is out of reach, but if you want guys to respond or react, like you said, a lot of fire and a few blokes ask and see what you've got to do. Correct. Something's got to give. Yeah. That's for sure. Bulldog side of things, halves are outstanding. Harrow and Naira, wide defensively at times, having some issues, come up five or six offloads, had a pretty good game. Tolman, massive game. Uh, yeah, they just keep probably overachieving I guess again with some of the guys like you said they've gotten their, their roster and the efforts there every week so as a Dogs fan you'd at least be happy with that sort of things I guess mm-hmm. Cowboys Eels 17-10 uh, this was a real concern for me and you spoke about this Paul we tipped this game and I went with the Cowboys but the Eels on the road that's mm. three losses on the road I don't think they really struck a blow on this game. The ruck speed that the Cowboys had to play off, I honestly think the Cowboys should have done more with the football and won this game by more. Yeah. Their, their middle three in particular, McLean, Scott, Talmala, had an absolute field day. Granville off the back of that was able to open things up. And yeah, I, I think if anything, they didn't capitalise on more opportunities, in particular a few moments where Morgan made some poor decisions. Overall, a strong game. But yeah, I, I think this wasn't a true reflection of how the game shouldn't have went. No, fair. Fair, 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 man. I um just it's hard it's hard to work the Cowboys out it's hard to work Parramatta out it was hard to work this game out watching it uh, we tend to go so I thought okay the Cowboys are coming to get them now but for that first seventy just a difficult strange game a lot of errors um and Parramatta they're a really really hard team to work out at the moment they just can't win away from home um, the Cowboys. Struggling for form, I guess, a little bit, but that's an important win for them uh, against a side that's above them on the ladder, who they we're going to probably going to have to overtake in order to make the finals. Uh, so, and, and vitally important considering how many players are going to lose for Origin. And, but a, a strange game. Well, I found it difficult to watch it. There were a lot of errors uh, late in the game. There was obviously a little bit more excitement in it. But we we watched this one at the um, at a pub in Mudgee, and yeah, it was. It was a good casual game to watch, I would say. The, the Cowboys had three tries denied by obstruction 
Like, yeah, but rightfully so. Oh, I'm not disagreeing, but I'm just saying, like you're saying, errors and clunky. And I, I felt they had everything in their favour. And then when they were down 10-6, it was, yeah, I was sitting there going, wow. Like, mm. I don't feel like Parramatta have really struck a blow or torn them apart or done no, a whole that's lot. No, it was just strange. And it, why it was an intercept that got them kind of out of that lead and the other try, uh, you know, was, it wasn't too bad, badly constructed. I, I was just sitting there wondering how the Cowboys haven't come up with more than how dominant they've been. But late on, it, it just came together way too easily, especially the dummy half try that Opacek got to crash over at the end there. They obviously kicked the field goal and they, they iced things and, Probably the only real nice movement of the game was that nice right-hand shift move there where they got felled over in the corner and come up with some stuff. But yeah, um, they obviously need a little bit more polish. Again, they've had their challenges, as we know. They've had different halves combinations. They've had players in and out. They've got another engine in the outside backs now with Ben Hampton, which center winger pairings is something that's changed every single week. Tamalolo missed six weeks. We talked about it at the start of the year. Barber wasn't there. So given the situation they've had to deal with, again, four and six probably isn't so bad, I guess. Uh, but the big thing is origin. You could basically guarantee that Morgan, possibly Hess, ends up on the bench just because he's one of the younger players there. I don't think Cooper gets a run again, but uh, anyone leaving them right now is not good for them because they need everyone on deck to try and get results during that origin period. So absolutely, yeah. For Parramatta, like you said, I'm 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 a bit lost, but yeah, I, I thought they were convincingly beaten, especially through the middle third of the field, and again, still somehow almost came away with this game. But going back home this week, I. Uh, what do I expect now? Do I expect they come up with a, a great effort and a possible win? Because it seems to be the fact that every time they go to this brand new stadium, they pull a rabbit out their well, ass or they, they've put up a great effort so far. In Penrith. Yeah, but the three times they've been on the road since have all been pretty ordinary, mm. in all honesty. So some question marks uh, on Parramatta there. Some errors from their back three. Um, yeah, it's definitely got some questions. South 16-12 against Canberra. This was a frustrating game as well, to be honest, yep. to watch. Uh, particularly the first half was really, really ugly. Thought Canberra really frustrated South. Sam Burgess boiled over, made some stupid decisions. I thought, think a couple of the penalties weren't warranted, but he boiled over, which didn't help. A lot of the other players bought into the frustration, and somehow they got to halftime in basically what was a rugby union penalty shootout mm. at 6-4. But as class teams do, they prevail. And in the second half, uh, regardless of having to play from behind or fight their way back into things and, and find a way back into it under some adversity away from home, and before the game it was rumoured that Adam Reynolds was possibly not going to play. And I think one of the Burgesses, possibly George, during the week. Johnston was out. So Allen played fullback. Uh, Turner pulled out. He's been doing a good job at centre. And they're obviously missing Burns. I'm not taking away from Canberra because they're missing players as well. But it was just a real good effort, I thought, from South, again, to win a game that they honestly weren't the best in. But Well, that's the story of their year. They, could, they could be in the bottom of the eight. If they lost all the close games uh, that they've managed to pull out... Mm. Uh, it's an absolute credit to the playing group because I don't think they've hit their straps yet, South nah. Sydney, and they just they just win. They're building a habit of winning, and uh, unbelievable the way they just keep pulling it out of the fire. They've they've obviously got a, a shitload of talent there and good coach and a roster that was in pretty good shape and made a preliminary final last year. But winning's a habit, so is losing. And mm. at the moment, they're just in the habit of winning, South. You just you just hope they're not spending all their luck early. Well, whenever they needed a moment, they came up with it. They got behind there and they're a little bit frustrated. Then Cook comes up with a bit of magic, puts Walker through a hole as he does so well, supports, scores a cracker try. Late in the piece after they concede to a brilliant run by Nick Kotrick, who was really dynamic in that right centre position, getting the ball back to Whitehead and Williams to the middle. You think, all right, it's going to be a big ask here to get back. They roll upfield, fifth tackle play, shows the confidence that they're playing with at the moment. Reynolds digs in the line. Gets it out to Walker. He doesn't even have numbers, but he holds the football up. Gets Canberra backpedalling, who should have came and made a decision. Plays through Croker, the winger, and around the corner to Hiroti, who's only playing his second game. And 
spend the last five minutes after making an error and defending a couple of goal line dropouts there, spend five minutes just defending their asses off to make sure they get another win. Mm. So that was a huge result given the circumstances. And again, lost no respect for Canberra, but I'm sure they're disappointed that they've played the top three sides now and they haven't been able to come away with a win in any of them. And they've been close in all three. In particular, they fought back in two of those games, uh, especially the Roosters won the Storm one earlier in the year. But some positive signs. They get to Pine back this week. Still no Bateman. Um, yeah, I, I think for Canberra, the efforts there in Origin, maybe Jasper Parley missing. Kotrick, Pos- oh, obviously, we're going to be another one as well. But um, yeah, Rapana, Leilua, that, that, that sort of hurts. But I've got confidence that they can possibly still get some wins depending on who they play during Origin. So, yeah. Good stuff by the Canberra Raiders. Knights Dragons doesn't need a whole lot of explanation, like we said. Twenty eight nil at half time. They had all the possession. They had all the football. Their forward packs completely dominated. The Dragons, as you said, their defence was horrible. They couldn't win a play the ball. Their ABCs, their width, their edge decisions were awful. In particular, their right edge, Newcastle's left attack. They were going after Hunt, Frizzell, and Lomax. Ponga had an absolute field day. He got in behind twice, um, just from Levi holding things up and their spacing at their ABCs. Pierce's kicking game, the control, but errors from the back three of the Dragons anytime they had an opportunity to get the ball back and have a set, just put extra pressure on their forwards. And they basically spent 30 minutes in the first half defending. And the game was over at half time. Not, uh, not much more to be said, is there? Like we watched a bloodbath firsthand. The Dragons are a far better football side than that. And the new, the thing is, the Newcastle Knights didn't do a lot. They 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 have just simplified their game plan. They're holding on to the football. They're running a lot harder. They're playing a lot yeah. straighter, kicking really well. Thought Mitchell Pearce kicked so well in this game, yeah. as a, as compared to Ben Hunt, who just fucked up every kick basically he had. Uh, or when he did get a kick right, the Dragons piggybacked Newcastle out of their end, in particular the first half. Second half, the air went out of the game. Really, like Newcastle showed spurts, but they just. They played with the Dragons' first half. And what would really worry me if I was Paul McGregor was the lack of defensive resilience that they showed. I know that they had a lot of possession against them, but the body language, uh, just the fundamental defensive uh, things that they were getting in. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Correct, and then just their enthusiasm and energy was was poor. Yeah, and I think the other concern is, given the way they came out in the second half, they conceded straight away. Ponga just absolutely tore their left edge apart. It obviously got sent back up a no try, but by the letter of the law, I agree with that. But it was just very worrying to see Ponga carve that edge so early. Absolutely. Um, a sin bin ends up happening. The Dragons score two tries doing that, but you don't take much out of it. And then Newcastle finished the game again in that that simple area that we talked about, effort and intent, and that none more summed up than when Mitchell Pearce chased that kick down and scored that try. Shoulder his man off the ball and put that ball down. and um, it, Won me some cash. It's it's one that the Dragons will definitely want to forget, that's for sure. Um, I don't know where they go from here. He's made some changes this week. The edge defense decisions definitely need to get better. The bench needs to do more. And we already know that they've got guys playing busted. Mm. Vaughan's obviously kind of playing on since that injury with Sue the other week. You've got Frizzell, who obviously wraps that testicle and is already 
strapped up like the Michelin man most weeks, playing needle. Like there's a lot of expectation on a couple of guys there, and Jack missing long term. Corbin breaking his arm a couple of weeks ago. I think he might be back this week. They, they need some reinforcements to help, especially in the middle of the field. But these changes made to the back three, if they clean up those errors, possibly less stress on their forwards and maybe a better result. But um, definitely a day to forget for them. Pierce, Ponga, Levi starting to show a bit more of the worth that we have been waiting many years to see. Uh, just all around. Their forward pack was brilliant. Their edges were brilliant. There wasn't a single person that didn't contribute. And I thought Man was a really nice partner to Pierce and the halves. So, interesting to see if they move forward with that. And I like Man. Watson, Man's a good player. He is, but he's simple in the halves. He ran the football. He didn't have a complicate the passing side of things. And Watson's a great utility to have. So, maybe that's the way forward for Newcastle. But, last one of the round. Nearly over the Sharks, 24-14. Like we said before, no Trebojevic, no DC. Sully out. Croker pulls out last minute. They put in their fourth half of the year. Cade Cust, a young Newcastle boy who played in their 20 system. Uh, he won man of the match. You know, they had that massive upset win over the dominant parasite a couple of years ago. He's been plugging away in reserve grade. Got told by Desi at the start of the week, and he wasn't allowed to tell anyone uh, until last minute, so he had to keep that under wraps. And again, fourth halves pairing or not, come in and does a job. Anyone in their back line comes in, does a job. Elliot's done an outstanding job. Garrick, Parker in the centres, and their forward pack. Tapao, Anfinul, Blake, later grab platform. Jake Trebojevic, week in, week out, and... The most impressive thing, as we spoke about every single week, their goal line defense. They just turn Cronulla away. They refuse to let Cronulla in. They're under pressure at times, and they just absorb, absorb, and absorb. And any time they got upfield, they took their chances. Um, a couple came off the back of some Dugan errors, but that's rugby league. You've got to be there to capitalize on your moments, and they're just there for 80 minutes. They're wholehearted. They're full of effort. Kane LG, like we said, to playing them all that potential we saw at the Titans and made us have... Thoughts about him, uh, you know, being a potential rep player in the future. He's really taken these opportunity there with two hands. Jake, as we said, was outstanding. Fanua Blake, uh, Manisi Farno having the double hooker situation. Depth in those spine positions and players to come back. But I think they would have real, real, real hopes if everyone's healthy at the back end of the year. They can find themselves in the finals and maybe give someone an upset. I don't think they're a side that can go on to win the comp, but full strength on any given day, I think they could knock off one of the top dogs and ruin someone's season in the finals if they got there. Yeah, agree. Uh, they're, they're just that good of a football side. For the Sharks, I guess, is that roller coaster they're dealing with all these injuries and having these young guys in. Sherry obviously had a moment at the back end of the game there. Potentially could have scored a try to make things a little bit closer. He had a couple of errors. Uh, Flanagan had some good moments again. But yeah, I think the man for them right now, it's playing out of his skin and we've given him plenty of reps. Chad Townsend's kicking game again on the weekend. Some of the repeat sets and the one he came out for for Fecky's try. He did a fair bit, but no Johnson, no Graham, no Moylan, no Woods. Fafita, definitely, he's got his knee strapped. He's got his hamstring bunged up. Pry's got that neck shoulder problem. I, I, I'm i still full of admiration for what the Sharks did, but r- right now they could definitely deal with some more troops. They, those kids are playing above where they need to be, but uh, on the same side, man, there's missing plenty of players and probably don't have as much talent, and they're, they're well overachieving, so... I think I said it before I tipped them as well. They're, they're, I think they've got a really good record there, and then I heard it afterwards. They're fifteen and seven eight mm. against Cronulla in recent times, and they've got a really good record at the prison. Got a little bit of their, yeah, just wood on them so, in general, don't they? Yeah, they, they were really, really good again. But um, yeah, basically wraps up the round. Good. So, fan questions straight in. Key eighty one. Any idea why Dallin Watine Zelezniak has not been named to play this week? Oh, there's there's issues there. Form, injuries. Um, I, I think it's probably he's been silently dropped. Well, it says he's in place. 
doesn't say he's suspended or injured, so I, whether they're going to clarify that or not. But looking at the lineups here, it just says that Brian Two Switch has been dropped. Place, so and it doesn't surprise me. He's been sulking, and he's not in the reserve, so yeah, he might be playing cup this weekend. Mm. But yeah, uh, we all know basically he wants to play fullback, and the preseason was pretty dirty. He wasn't going to play there. Then playing in centre wing, if if that's the case, like you said, uh, he's off contract. There was thought that Parramatta were interested if they couldn't get Gutherson across the line, so I wouldn't be surprised if things continue on this way, that he's moved on mm. from the club unless he buys in and gets an opportunity to full back and takes it with both hands. But for now, I'm sure they would rather him keep his tail up, come and train him with some energy and effort and lead. He was the captain of the New Zealand side yep. in the Tri-Nation series or the series they had just the pre-season gone. So they'd be expecting better of a guy who's basically an NRL veteran now and an international no, captain. No, absolutely. He's nailed it. Marky B, will we ever see a day where long-term contracts are incentive-slash-performance-based as a standard across an entire squad, wonder if Penrith would have got their shit together by now if there was a financial carrot to do so. Uh, I think it's a motivator, but I don't think it's the be-all and end-all of a motivator. So oh, it's hard to know. It is hard to know. There was once upon a time where rugby league relied on that, that financial motivator. A lot of teams played knowing that if they didn't win, they didn't get paid. Mm. Uh, I think it's probably surpassed that. I think there could be an element in it for some players because they have performance, uh, you know, indicators and things in their contract. So that's definitely a motivator for some players. But you're elite. I think you'll find they wouldn't have much, uh, you know, performance-based stuff in their contract unless it was Origin Internationals, things like that. Yeah, there's not many Um, triggers anymore. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting though. Well, let's think, if you're a talent and you're hot on the market and you're a club, you don't really get to go to a player and say, we'll give you this amount of money, but you have to earn all these clauses because people guarantee it. Like, our game is a game of guaranteed money, realistically, by those rep bonuses yeah. you're talking about. We're not an NFL or somebody else that can layer things into a contract and that's the, the culture of the game. All the NRL money is guaranteed, basically, mm. by some small things that don't really make up a big portion of your contract. So, um, like you said, back in the day, it was match payments. Yep. So if you didn't, you didn't play well and you didn't win... Well, a lot of the guys playing New South Wales Cup would still be on match payments. So yeah, it's still not, is. It's not that far away from the NRL, but no, the NRL certainly is the elite. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you there. Uh, what do we got here? Joey says, why do clubs re-sign coaches mid-season when their club has underachieved over the past five years? Honestly, I'm sick of Mary and his bullshit. He thinks his fans are dumb and uneducated. I drove a six-hour round trip to watch that on the weekend. All I asked for was energy, intent, and effort. Well, Joey... I feel bad for you to put that trip in, mate. Try supporting the Titans, Joey. <laughs> uh, it was quite poor. Uh, again, this is a common thing we have most weeks where fans seem really, really frustrated with Mary and the whole situation there. But I still go back to a little bit what I said before as far as the top 30 strength and some of the decisions that are coming from the recruitment side of things. I think his hands are a little bit tight in a little bit of areas there, but can't defend like you said last week. Some of those interchanges and some of the thoughts there. But I guess we go back to what we said before. If you're going to fire a coach, who are you going to bring in? Um, and I, I think I'd by, love Adam O'Brien at the Titans. That's who I'd love. I think by the playing group they've got there and the club, they would have, they feel out these situations. They know things pretty well. I think he's very, very well liked by the players. So I don't mm. know if they'd be willing to make that decision. But as a fan, like you said, you're entitled to your opinion. Fan, and fans, and clearly frustrated with Mary McGregor. But um, yeah, feel bad for your pal, Daniel Friend. If you knew one of your players had a chance of Origin selection, would you talk their chances up or downplay their chances to the media? Talk it up. Talk it up, especially if their form warrants it. You, yeah. you push your players Talk forward. You want your players playing that rep football. The higher level they get to, they generally bring it back to club football and takes them another level up. 
Gene Irvine, who do you think is the biggest one-season wonder? In in my time, uh, like in the probably more recent years or since I've been really watching like football in and out, um, year in, year out, I'd say Tim Smith was one of the biggest one-season wonders I've seen. Pretty ordinary. Daniel Mortimer. Yeah, that's fair. Parramatta. Well, it's two Parramatta halves we're talking about. Tim mm. Smith, for me, had that glorious um, year. Ash Taylor. I still don't think he had a season compared to those guys. Like Tim Smith was hailed. He was awful his second year. I I'd argue Dave Taylor was a one season wonder. He sort of yeah. had that one really He, he had, he had year. three one season wonders though, because every time a contract came around he came up with a half decent season to get a contract. Anyway, yeah, off the top of our head it's hard. Yeah. The spray says, Boys, have you changed your mind on thinking Mary has what it takes to win a comp? Player slash junior development is pretty thin reading in this time, and although DeBellin has been a distraction, squad has gone backwards. Mm, I don't know where they've gone backwards. I think their junior development is looking fine. They're they just, won the, SG just won the SG ball. So they've got a good half coming through, even though that's probably not an area of their need 20s right are, now. 20s are right up the top as well. I think they're the only team to have beaten, or one of the only teams to have beaten Penrith. I think Canberra have beaten Penrith as well in the Jersey flag. Uh, so junior development's looking okay. Illawarra Sports High have got a pretty good crop of kids coming through, having played them a couple of weeks ago with my school program. Um, yeah, I, I think we've, we've sort of broached the issue before that Mary's sort of working with other people who are basically filling in the roster that he's coaching. So I think that that's all beyond his control, all the junior development, whoever they recruit. His job is to get this team to win a premiership. Mm. Do I think they've got the players there right now to win a premiership? Probably not, but I think they've got a side that could compete for top four. Mm, I agree. I think the only issue is, again, you can't control this, where you're getting players coming through. They've had an issue over the last couple of years with the players that they are developing from their juniors or the better ones coming through are in positions they don't need. Yeah. So Pat Herbert was there, but obviously Lafayette was playing good football. Aitken was borderline playing Origin. They've got Lomax, so they've let Herbert go. Uh, they've got a young half, Jaden Sullivan, who just won the... SG ball comp, he's a half. He's come through and taken that comp by storm and been upgraded straight into their 20 squad. But look at the halves they've got right now. You've got an origin half and you've got Corey Norman who's signed up for a couple of years. So it's not really an area of need. Wingers, they're, they're pretty flush for a couple of wingers at the moment. They've got a young kid, Jason Saab, who they upgraded last year, an 18-year-old who's an absolute freak. The area they realistically need to get some more players in is middles. And that's one of the areas they're not really getting players coming through at the moment. So as much as you target areas in your junior development, you want them coming through in all positions at times... You just don't get the players in quite the areas where you want them, unfortunately. Reese Robinson's another example. A great hooker, and they've got McInnes. Mm. So they're producing players through their junior systems. They're just not coming up where you need them to be at the moment, unfortunately. But they could definitely do with some middle forwards. The Batman. What is it about Manly's 2019 success that has surprised you both most? Well, I think we touched on it before. It's more those, goal line those fringe players and that goal line defense. He's getting the most out of guys that people wouldn't have touched. LG. Uh, you know, you've got Parker, who is okay, but didn't think he'd play to this kind of standard. Uh, you've got Fainu, who I liked, but like the way he's come on leaps and bounds. Waddell wasn't even signed by anyone else and had to wait almost a month, I think, to get picked up on that side of things. Brendan Elliott, Ruben Garrick, like all those guys are playing well above expectation of where you thought they'd be. So that's the most important thing so far, considering injuries. The Bucks says, why did front rows have form slumps? They've got the simplest job on the field, run hard, tackle hard. So why is it that some front rowers look like the world beaters one season and terrible the next? I can understand if it's injury related, but otherwise I don't know. There you go. Well, being a middle, I guess it's it's more mental, mate. Uh, you're right; it is a very simple job, but I guess just staying up week in, week and out. And the other thing is injury. Like you get beaten up more than anybody on the field if you're in a bad physical way. It's hard to 
I suppose, get yourself up for that contest or win those little contests throughout the game week in, week out. But when you're healthy and you're in the right frame of mind and you're switched on and you're aggressive and you're bringing all the intent and energy in the world, it is a very simple job. Yeah, I think form slumps and confidence slumps. If you get whacked a few times and things don't go your way, it's it's a position where you cannot hide in the front row. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with the majority of what Lewis said. Yeah, and again, I... I can't remember having too many like down times through junior it's footy. It's just difficult to develop and, and stick with a front row that's just got no confidence because they're involved in every set. They often start your set off defensively and they, they definitely start your sets off offensively. Uh, wingers and wingers and front rowers, I think, are vitally important to be in good form and, and have confidence. Yeah, particularly for set starts, that's for sure. Uh, Travis McMahon says, Will dropping clear from the Origin team destroy his confidence? He has enough maturity and support around well, him. You... I'd go with Kiri and Reynolds with Cody Walker replacing Is he being dropped? From my perspective, he's not being dropped because you earn those jerseys. You're selected in those jerseys. He's not being dropped from the team. He's just not being selected because if the team's picked on form, then no one gets dropped. Like For me, the only way you get dropped is if you play game one, have a Barry Crocker, and then you get dropped. Like, I think because it's game one, anyone that misses out who played last year, I don't see them as being dropped. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because I think it's just a new season and, and that's how I think representative sides should be picked. Uh, so I, I don't think he's been dropped. I, I think it's going to sting a little, but he's come out publicly and already said that he, he doesn't think he's up to it. No, that's, that shows that maturity we talk about. Mm. That he's willing to come out and own that, and he's it's a team sport. Not denying it, like you said, it is a team sport at the end of the day. And he did a solid job last year. But I don't think, like you said, he's going to be coming out going, "Well, I'm the reason we won last year." He's not, and he's played Origin at twenty. And neither was any other one player. They yeah. they all contributed. He's played Origin at twenty one years old. There's plenty of time, and his team's not going well. So I don't think there's anything that. Tyrone would... Peach is going to be another one in my mind that didn't have a lot of impact. Like didn't get a lot of time last year. Is he dropped this year? I just don't think he's playing well enough. He's not. He's not in the same form he was last year to be selected. Maloney dropped. No, well, you're just not playing well enough to be picked. There's other people going better than you. Yep, no complaints there. Dane Johnson says, what do you reckon the next step is for Ivan at Penrith? Seems like a lot of the playing group aren't buying in into what he's trying to implement. Sacking players doesn't seem to be working. Keep up the great work. Awesome to hear unbiased straight down the line. Well, well it's hard to sack because they're all on long-term contracts. I think so he's got to work with dropping it. players, basically, but I don't know where you go from here. But, but you've got to think long-term. He's got to ride it out. Whatever off-field issues they've got, they've got to get them out and sorted and just focus on the real fundamentals and start to get a little bit of fun back in their footy. But it's hard to have fun when you're around people you're not getting along with. Yeah, I can't disagree with you on that side of things. But, yeah, he's tried most things. And I think, again, it's more we've said. It. I don't think it's the coach. I think it's the group and whatever issues they've got off the field and all the stuff they've got going on. They're all individuals at the moment. They're not a team. All this stuff needs to be ironed out. There's only so much you can do as a coach. So uh, unless they're willing to address it as a group, things definitely aren't going to get any better anytime soon. Jason Wackowicz, sorry, mate. Wachowicz. Wachowicz says, Manly, how good are they going? Brocky, please stop death riding them, mate. I think I've got I've got Manly fans just think I death ride them. Probably because a couple them. of years there, you just used to slam Manly or any Manly fan that come after okay, you. Okay, but so. last year I picked them for the spoon. They probably should have got the spoon last year. This year I said they'd improve, and they have. Yeah. I certainly didn't envision them to improve this much, and I'm not death riding them. I, I, uh, I really enjoy watching Manly play at the moment. Yep, I'm not disagreeing with that. They've been outstanding. Like I said, I've got them fourth in my power rankings because of the improvement. So Manly fans, get off me back, mate. Look, it was a couple of years ago. There was just a couple of fans that take things really sensitively on a week-to-week basis and a couple of comments that just, you know, 
they were jokes, mate. They were jabbing a bit I've of fun. A and few a few people, people just take things way too personally. And Sharks mm. fans too. You lost one of those as well, didn't you, Brock? You I'm haven't just... lost Buzz, but you lost someone else oh, that you offended. But it is what it is. Can't please everybody. Uh, he's also said, surely Ferguson doesn't get another run with Origin. Once a dickhead, always a dickhead. Well, I'm of the same opinion, buddy. He's uh, he's played some good football this year, but given what had happened and the situation they're in, I couldn't pick him. If uh, All the chances he's had, I'm well past that point. Matt Sidney Fahey says, Good boys, been listening almost since the start. Love the show. First boxer, what are your thoughts on getting someone like Tim Sheens to coach the Titans? Uh, well, he demands some respect. Yeah, that's what he's got here. Oh, he okay. demands respect and what a basket case the Tigers were until he came along. And then Sheens, he did wonders in the first few years. What's your thoughts on that side of things? Uh, I, I don't know whether... I'm not saying he's past it, uh, but I just... I think they need someone like Sheens overseeing the program and then have a young head coach with some fresh ideas and sort of put their philosophies together. I think that would be the most productive way. Yep, fair enough. He says he's also a massive fan of what Tina Turner did for our game in the 90s with what you get is what you see and, of course, simply the best. He'd like to see the NRL maybe approach someone like Jess Malboy to rehash them. Do you boys agree or would you leave them in the 90s? And last thing, everyone loves asking us these questions, the old hypotheticals, which would you prefer out of the Royals, Kate or Megan? Kate. Oh, no, Megan. I'd prefer Pippa. Markle over. or Kate? I'd prefer um, Pippa over both of them. Yeah, I was at, so I'll, I'll trade up to <laughs> trading out of that one. No, not uh, Kate. The Tina Turner Megan. stuff, I don't really remember most of it. No offence, to be honest. I was very, very young at the time, but I don't mind a rehash. If they have a good ad, I'm, I'm all for a bit of a flashback. Get it on. Thanks for the effort, fellas. Keep up the good work. Bring back the Bears and go the Tigers. Good stuff. Adam Stevenson, can I get a rundown on Brock's reaction to Ash Taylor's final play last week. Any remotes or phone smashed? We weren't watching it. We were at Mudgee visiting in our our nan, who's unfortunately in a in a dementia hospital. But I uh, there would have been a few people in that hospital that would have made a better decision on last play than what Ash Taylor did on watching it on replay. Mm. It was so no, we we didn't see the game game live, and then I saw the score, uh, and then I worked out that we were leading sixteen nil and got beat. <laughs> and I think my comment was, "Well, what's fucking you?" And that was it. I'm not watching it. That was it. And you all had a laugh. My wife had a laugh. Everyone had a laugh, and that was it. Yeah. So that was about the reaction. That, that's about as much as you get from me. At well, the well, it could be worse. I could be an asshole the last ten years, but you can't say I ever rub in Melbourne. I'm not that kind of bloke. What do you mean? Well, like you said people have a laugh and have a laugh because there's frustration, but it could be worse. But you don't know what it feels like. You got no idea, so well, it doesn't matter. We did have premiership stripped off us. That was pretty devastating. Oh, oh yeah, devastating. Can't imagine. Devastating. It. At least you had them. <laughs> well, we didn't. <laughs> they were fraud. Please, they weren't fraud. Team one, you were there on Grand Final day. Your team one. I'd oh, take. No. I, if the Titans cheated and won five, let's do it. I feel fantastic. <laughs> Uh, just cheat and win some games, Titans. Do something. something. Just don't do what Parramatta did and cheat and come last. Cheat and come last, That's mate. just not good enough, Parra. Do a better mm. job if you're going to cheat the cap, mate. Shane Adar, dogs are chasing Joe Stimson from Melbourne before June 30 deadline. Don't know much about him. Would you? Would he be a good pickup? Yes. Should we focus on other areas? He's a good player. Well, again, it's just another young guy in the back row to build some depth and get some opportunity He's in the squad. He's favour. Oh, mate, if I'm Bellamy, I'd almost be dropping Felice Cafusi. He looks like he needs a rocket. Well, I still stick with what I said before. You Croft's can't tell me that Croft's doing yeah, a whole lot for it. him. So uh, I think he'll still end up playing rep football. And Kenny's doing a great job on the other side of the field. So it's it's hard to carry an edge-type player on your bench when they've got the players they've got or they're using at the moment off their bench. And... I really, really like him, but yeah, I think at the moment with those two playing the way they are, he's going to struggle to get some game time, unfortunately, but be a good pickup at the right price. Timmy White says, why no one gives the Tigers credit when they play good? For instance, last week against the Storm, should have had them beat, but the media said Storm played bad or the riff are terrible. 
Well, I, we give them full credit. They dominated Penrith, and we, I just said before that Melbourne should have lost that game. The Tigers fully deserved to win it. The difference is Melbourne pulled out at the end of the game, and yeah, we're not bagging on the Tigers. I think the Tigers are overachieving, given the squad they've got, the preseason they've had, a coach coming in last minute. They've had halves change. Benji's been injured. Reynolds has been injured. Robbie Farrar, obviously, coming back for another year at 35 years old. I think he's playing better than what I expected, and there's still a couple of forwards and outside backs there that people don't have real big wraps on, but I think they're definitely overachieving with the squad they've got. Agree. Full credit to them. James Dutton, with Cooper retiring at 35, been looking at the oldest players in footy, according to the Zero Tackle website, Gal, way out in front, 37. Mm. Maybe the Shire Sea Air. Cannot believe James Graham is only 33. The bloke looks 50. Love the pod. Top effort, guys. Thanks, champion. No worries, mate. Thank you very, very much. And James Graham, he does look like he's been in a few bar brawls. Mm. Hard times. Hard times. Simon Peter says, can you provide some insight into what Ivan is trying to implement? They look lost, especially with an experienced half in James Maloney. I don't, I don't really think it's what he's trying to implement. I know a lot of people are sitting there going, oh, his game plan's not working. I don't think Ivan Cleary is telling his team to run one out with no energy, no effort, no push, and just run the same shape over and over again. I, I think that... like as we've just spoken about, they're, they're just lacking in all areas and it just shows. They're taking one outs. They're very, very slow. There's not a whole lot of effort and any time they shift or run any sort of shape, it doesn't have a whole lot of variety coming off it. The halves are getting posted up on their own a lot and get stuck with the football or they just give it to kick out along a Blake and hope, hit and hope for something to happen. This is definitely not something he's going to be asking to do. So, yeah. James Heron says, boys, how do you get Ash Taylor's head space back? Do you think he's getting the support he needs up there? It's, been pretty bad for a while now. Keep the buzz coming. Brock, mate, what do you reckon? I, I think this is a bullshit thing. He's had everything he's no, wanted. They got, him, they got him back, his friend in Roberts as his half partner, because that was supposedly the way he played his best football. As Brock said, he was a big reason they went uh, with the decision to fire Neil Henry and move on to Garth Brennan. They bought him Kevin Proctor. Uh, they've got Jaira, who's came into the club. They've got Tyron Peachy. They've got players around him. What, like, what else does he need or what? Obviously, those guys need to play better, but for a guy that got paid a million dollars, he's now 24 years old and has a couple of seasons left on his contract, he hasn't delivered fuck all. Mm. Um, yeah, he's not exactly a rookie anymore, that's for sure. So I don't know what else they're supposed to do for him. They've even got Mal Meninga there for culture and advice. You've got the Australian coach and an origin winning coach. How much motivation or how many people do you need around you to start playing some good football? Mm. <sighs> Shazil Shake says with Manly not going to renew Dylan Walker's contract Manly missing out on Guth's and our salary cap restriction removed looks like we have some money to spend think we could spring for a decent outside back or a second row question is who well I haven't really looked at the off contract list to be honest but if you want to talk about the market for back rowers right now I, I think looking internally with what they've got Curtis Sirenin is fairly cheap. Corey Riddell's best position's back row. I even know he's playing middle off the bench right now. I think you'd agree with that, or do you think he's a lock? No, I agree. I agree. I think they've got somebody there who's capable, who's going to need an upgrade. He's off contract. And if Joel Thompson stayed for the right price, I'd keep him. Hmm. Um, again, I haven't looked at the off contract back rows, but if, if you've got guys within your own squad, I wouldn't go out and splurge the money for no apparent reason. Outside backs, I'd agree, even though I like the way that Garrick and Tafur and a couple of these guys have all played. I think if they go out and get a decent center or another winger to bolster that back line, they definitely would. Um, but again, I have to go have a look at some of the names that are out and available, but don't have any off the top of my head right now that I can think of. Robert Temesverose says, two things. How much would you give Corey Thompson a season as a Tigers fan? I think it's madness. They have not resigned him. And two, I'll be at the Rabbits-Tigers Saturday night down from the Hunter. My shout if you're at the game. <laughs> 
Corey Thompson. Uh, I think he's 29 or 30. I think he might be a year older than me. What would I pay him for the job he does as a wing fullback? I'd probably say maybe 300 absolute max. But I think, mate, it more comes down to the fact that he's been, you know, a guy that came out of Queensland Cup a bit later, played a few years, the dogs went to England, come back. How many years does he have left? He does a solid job. He's not a game breaker, but yeah, he's more than serviceable. So yeah, probably, as Brock said, 250, 300. But I agree with you. With what they've got there at the moment, I'd be surprised if they don't re-sign him. I'm sure there'd be plenty of other clubs that would pick him up for depth or to play, depending on what position they're in. Brandon Savage, Cronk or Thurston? Cronk won two Dallyams in a Starfield side, which is very impressive with how the Dallyam system works. Arguably, Cronk performed better at the rep level too. Yeah, uh, that's a hard one. Cronk, uh, JT on best form. Yeah. Cronk, uh, best form. Cronk just on a safe, safe play. Yeah. yeah. But I think, again, like if we say absolute best performance on field who has a bigger effect on a game, Jonathan Thurston has the ability to absolutely destroy a game. So I'd say that, but full credit, as we said earlier, to what Kronk has done because he was a constructed player. He wasn't a natural. He's built his skill set. He's trained his half off. He's studied. He's done video. He's just been relentless throughout his whole career. And he's a credit to everyone he's played with, all the coaches he's worked with in the clubs. And, you know, the Roosters went after him for a reason when he said he was going to come to Sydney. Mm. And they've been ultra ultra impressed by him. And even Trent Robertson said straight away, he's made me a better coach. He's one of the smartest footballers he's ever come across. So, excellent player. Graham Wright, New South Wales halves, boys. Pick and stick, Maloney and Cleary, or pick on form, Kiri and Pierce for Graham. Well, I think we said before, if you go on form, we have those four players. You've got the two South boys, Kiri and Pierce. I don't think you could go wrong with many of those combinations, but I think it's got to the point now, like we said, with the way Maloney... And Cleary have been playing. I think they're definitely going to move on because they're just not playing good football at all. Adam Mingare, are the Rabbits the real deal this year? Most definitely. I think yeah. we both had them top four in our season predictions box head. Yeah. I had them, I think, second. So, yeah, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind. James Afir, hypothetical, what origin spine would you take? Slater, Lockyer, Thurston, Smith, or Tedesco, Fittler, Johns, and Badiris? Side note, how does someone like Ash Taylor get a million dollars a season when there's decent players in Canterbury Cup who can come into a side for minimum wage and produce better quality stuff, Connor Tracy, Lock and Lamb, even Riley Jacks, I feel sorry for your box head. Thanks, James. I, I don't know how Riley Jack, Jacks isn't getting a go. I, I have no idea. Which spine box? Slater, Lockyer, Thurston Smith, for me. I'm I'd a New take South Wales. I'd take the Queensland spine. But, yeah. Tedesco, Fitler, John, Spadiris. No, no bias here. I tell you what, get tips it over the line for me. It's the hooker. And that's no offence... To Denny Badiris, but like John, to me it's yeah, it's all positions. I think Johns is better than Thurston. I think Fitler Lockyer. I'd probably take Lockyer because he played dual positions. I think Slater's career, obviously the way Fitler Lockyer are on par. I think Slater's ahead of Tedesco. Yeah. Smith's but, ahead of Bedsy. Johns is ahead of Thurston. The other ones a draw. Yeah, so yeah, I think the real tipping point for me is probably the nine position. But Badiris was a great player in his own right, no doubt about that. Mike Winkley. Does the collision between DWZ and a fullback for the Panthers just sum up Penrith at the moment? Also, Kikau's non-tackle on Ignatius Parsi's try from 10 metres out should trump Bryce Cartwright in worst defensive effort. I cut him some slack because I said it last week and I look at it again on the weekend. He shouldn't be playing. Mm. He's clearly not healthy. I um, Just back to the DWZ and Dylan, or Dylan Edwards collision, one of the female members of staff at my school this morning got out of the car uh, sorry, yesterday morning, got out of the car. She she said to me, what about the Panthers? Well, well she went to the Panthers-Warriors game. I said, oh, yeah. did you enjoy it? She said, yeah, I thought the best tackle Penrith made was on themselves. And that's from a lady who knows minimal about footy, but 
went to the game and she said, look, there was no one there. It was really dead and, you know, she just said, oh, I, was going, I went to a game last year when they were kicking and isn't it funny how things change in the space of 12 months and that's someone from who's not rusted on who goes to maybe one game a year and that was just her observation. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Uh, but she thought it was the best tackle of the game. Best tackle that Penrith made all game, <laughs> all game and it was on their own player. So. Yeah, classic. Paul Kay, has Sam Burgess become a protected species down under? How he never got binned in that game is against yeah. me. I'll never know. I thought I heard the ref come and tell him to piss off. Does that not mean the same in Australia as it does over here in England? Well, he certainly pushed the envelope. Uh, I did admit before I thought the one where Horsberg went off the mark, uh, he just dropped the ball clean and cold. But Sam certainly boiled over, in my opinion. He was very lucky he didn't go to the bin. But I don't know. I think we've said it before. Some guys with higher reputation seem to be able to push the, the boundaries a little bit and get away with it. But, yeah, he, he was definitely in a position where they could have been in. There's no doubt about it. Jeff Gumbleton says, obviously all NRL players have courage, not disputing that, but do you think the halfbacks with courage to take the ball all the way in the line are the ones who have sustained a sustained success? Pierce, Cronk, Thurston all get their rib cages smashed in each week, and it's a wonder if some young halfbacks are struggling with it. Yeah. No arguments. Yeah, well, that's the difference. Uh, again, some guys... You know, it ends up costing them or maybe shorten their career. You look at a guy like Kieran Foran, who was one of the quality halves, who's taken some absolute ripper shots in his time. But yeah, the best halves challenge the line because you've got to create deception and make defenders make decisions to create numbers for your outside players or opportunities for other blokes to create mismatches. And if you're not willing to dig into the line, players just release off and you have to either come back inside or take your medicine. So yeah, the best halves always do that. Dave Hooper, with the likes of Dearden, Shibasaki, Turpin, Flegler, Carrigan coming through at the Broncos, is it a sign of Seabold wanting to draw more on local talent? It felt like Bennett was trying to buy a premiership at the end of his tenure, e.g. the Jack Bird signing. Yeah, look, he's been left with uh, more holes in his roster than what Seabold left him at the Rabbitohs, let's put it that way. Yeah, I think, again, why wouldn't you reach on that talent? They're not just guys that have pushed to the grades. They've played every single lever of junior rep football. So the absolute creme de la creme, and they've got a massive crop all at once. Mm. So you've got to sift your way through. You've got to sort out some contracts. They let Maguire go. They've got Roberts on a big deal where I assume they'd be happy to push him out the door. Um, and then you've got a guy like Glenn who's been rumored to go now. Not because he's not a good footballer, but he's an older bloke with a bigger contract and that's money you could distribute against. So, um, Seabold definitely made that thought when he left South. Because you look at South Spine and we said this at the time. It's made for success right now. And that forward pack and a couple of those players. But in two or three years, Adam Reynolds is going to be 30, 31, 32. He's had some injuries. Cody Walker's already 30 years old. Damian Cook, he's bloomed now, but he's already going to be 29, 30 years old. Burgess, you know, is he going to stay physically? Apparently George is going to be gone. Tom, they're an older kind of squad in some sense. So in a few years, they're going to have more decisions or more positions of need than, say, a Brisbane who have this crop coming through. So he's probably put himself in a position for next year and the year after to be really, really successful moving forward and then move on to the next time when they have to re-sign those guys and then put players around them. So there's probably a better longer-term picture right now, I guess, roster-wise for Broncos um, mm. than, say, what you've got with South there. Adam Jones, thoughts on ex-players, coaches, Meninga, saying James Roberts should be picked for the Blues. Absolute joke if he is picked. I wouldn't pick him. No. Yeah, again... New South Wales will never take advice from a Queenslander. So, Meninga can say what he wants, but I don't think Brad Fittler's going to be reading too much into something that he's saying, and especially about a player that's not buying into his club environment. When Brad Fittler said last year, first and foremost, you need to be doing the right thing at your club, on the field and off the field. So, yeah, I don't think James Roberts is going to be considered. That's my opinion. 
Zach Maitland, can you see anyone outside the top three having a chance at winning the comp? No. At this point in time, no. I think I said before that I thought if the Sharks, young players, you know, grew from this experience and everyone came back in and everything fell into place, they might be able to challenge one of those teams or maybe a manly knock one off, but I don't think they could win the comp. I think they could maybe beat one of those sides and upset somebody to make it to the, the prelims or something like that, but I don't know if, I don't think they could win the comp. Sean Chan, if you had a clean slate, where would you put the new club? Instead of saying, I think we should keep the Broncos, should I say, I think Brisbane safe needs X amount of teams? Well, I think we've said this a million times. Two. But Perth. Three. Yeah. Perth's the next spot or a second Brisbane team? Donyard Fire Flames, if we all end up having all origin standalone Sunday night games, I'd love to see PNG vs. Fiji, Tonga Samoa, and a doubleheader on Saturday night before origin. Have them also as a best of three series. Think it'd be a great opportunity for those players to have their own type of origin and help develop international footy further. Ideally, it'd be great also to have England, New Zealand and make it a triple header, but I get that it would be unlikely with the travel for the English players. Maybe New Zealand should have their own origin, North versus South Islands. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be fantastic. Just some new things in the game. It's not going to hurt trying it. Yeah, definitely. I remember in England they did it. Uh, they used to do back. Lancashire and Yorkshire. Yeah, yeah. Like I think it faded off, but they tried it. Yeah. Well, again, can't try, can it? Tyne and Jones has Trent Barrett's coaching credentials taken a bit of a hit considering what Des has done this year with a weaker roster than Trent had last year. Uh, I think they have. They have. Yes. I, I think Trent Barrett's now going to have to take a assistant coach's role and just make some more deposits. Uh, before he, you know, and build up his bank and coaching bank, and before he's going to get another crack at a, a head coaching job. But he's got a reputation as a fantastic ex player, so that always gives you some increased credibility as a coach, whether rightly or wrongly. Yep, 100% agree with that. Jay Smith, your picks for the Origin combos at this point is Morgan Munster a possibility? Well, it is if Cherry Evans doesn't play and it's probably the way they're going to go because Hunt's going to have to play nine. But with the Cody Walker situation, he's saying here that. Most people doesn't have him pending the side, and he'd probably have him in regardless whether it's on the bench. I think we'd agree with that. No, I had. We've both had him. You had him penned in starting early. I had him penned in at least on the bench early. I think we're both now in the position where well, we. Well, I had Maloney scrapped before the year even started. I just think it, the, I didn't. The time but, but got I, to. I don't like looking at Origin that early for this reason. Oh, I, didn't, I, I think right now you'd be. It'd be absolute craziness to not pick Walker and Kiri. Their hands and heels above everyone else. If you wanted to get Reynolds into the side, and uh, you wanted to have Walker as your utility, which I'm not sure I would go with that option, but I know that Brad Fittler likes Reynolds' kicking game and uh, particularly going to Queensland, that's going to be vitally important. So whether he wants to start with Reynolds and then maybe later in the game bench Reynolds and move Walker in once the game breaks down, I don't know what he's thinking. And Freddie always looks out the side of the square. Uh, I wouldn't argue with that either because last year he played Peachy for a total of less than 20 minutes or about 20 minutes for the whole series. So if, if he was going to go that way, I could justify it. Uh, it would also mean that he would use less interchanges uh, and would give him more interchanges for the other three bench players. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think there's any argument that Walker's got to be in the side somewhere. Yeah, 100%. Joel Braddock, can you eat pizza with that beer? Yes, yes you can. I love yes. pizza regardless of the beer. Yes. I'm, I'm, oof, pizza. I don't like pizza and beer. I do, but I just love pizza. Pizza, garlic bread. Me, I, I'm the worst for I don't eat while I drink. I just... I, I'm generally I'll similar. I'll nibble. I'll have, you know, on the weekend we had some hot chips and some some potato chips or whatever, jubes and drabs, eat a little bit here and there. 
But once I have a full meal, usually that's it. That stumps for me. I'm not. I, I need to eat while I'm going. I'm a heavy yeah, sesh man I in feeds. So, good times. Jackson Malson was with you. He says, Ash Taylor needs to be dropped. Well, whilst not only the problem with the Titans, he looks unfit, unmotivated. The Titans squad and him have been mediocre for too long now. No argument here, pal. Scott Brainy says, top three Panthers players that need a stint in the reserves. Well, I think two of them have already been down in Campbell, Gillard, and Mansell, given their contracts. Dallin Posse this week, with the way he's been playing and sulking, I think there's plenty of guys you could drop. The problem is there's more than three that probably need a stint in reserve grade at the moment. Uh, I think... Oh, yeah, I think he's he's pretty much got it right. Campbell Gillard was one. Well, contract and status. The two the two hookers haven't really justified a first grade position. But the no biggest issue there. that's that's what I was going to get to is it's very difficult when you, you. I'm not. I wouldn't punish Egan and Katara on effort. I just don't think they're up to first grade at the well, moment. And they'll have an impact that would be desired. And the other one is Dallin. I think Dallin's been sulking and I still think Mal- rightly or wrongly, you don't know what's been said. To Dallin, and yeah, well, we were pretty sure he was he was signing to play fullback because there was interest from other clubs, and he had offers to play fullback elsewhere. He's a New Zealand fullback, but yet Dylan Edwards is starting ahead well, of him. Mind you, let's also reflect um, that Sheck wasn't a part of that series. If Sheck's course, there, he's the captain and, and he's the fullback. Dallin would happily yeah. go back there, but the point is, is if you're running second to. Two of us are Sheck. Dylan Edwards isn't two of us are Sheck. No, and I think we said at the start of the year who will be picked. I, I'd happily have Dylan over Edwards at fullback. Yeah. Um, the fact he's sulking doesn't help the whole situation right now. But, yeah, if you told me out of those two who would I want playing there, I'd want Dylan at the moment. But clearly they're unhappy with his behaviour and his motivation and, and there's clearly more to it at this point in time. So mm-hmm. that, that's why he's not there this week. Josh Clark, have the Knights turned the corner or is this week the real test for them against the Roosters? No, a real test this weekend. I, I think they've turned. I think yes to both. Well, I think four in yes a row. You both. can't say they haven't turned the corner. But yeah, this is a huge game this yes week. You, you need this. If this is going to be a loss, you need it to be a very close result or them to push the Roosters all the way, mm. and then you'll buy into Newcastle. That's for sure. Jordan Palmer, is it time to drop Croft down to Q Cup and give Hughes the halfback or five eight roll and give Pappenhausen a crack at fullback? All season, Croft has failed to do anything creative other than maybe set up two or three tries. Mate, been saying it week in week out that he he lacks the ability to basically adjust on the fly. Just about everything he does is premeditated. Even that try we got off the deflection on the weekend, like he was pressured and he still had it in his head on the weekend that he was going to grab that football. It's just so lucky that it turned out to land back in, I think, one of our players' hands and we shifted and scored off it. There's passes in the line. There's times when he's run where he could have passed where he's just premeditating everything. If you're going to be a first-grade half and especially a dominant half in a side like that, you need to have vision to be able to adjust as you go. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't really see that from him. I reckon he's a great kid. There's plenty of effort there. He clearly trains hard. He plays as hard as he possibly can, but I just don't think he, he may not have the vision or the confidence at this point to, you know, kind of break down the game on the run or see things. And I, I think Hughes, when he played a few times there last year, why well, I don't think that would be a long-term spot as a half-back. I think he did as good a job as what Croft has been doing in the halves. More players, and you agree with this, you've got to fit the best players into your side somewhere. And with the way Pappenhausen's playing right now, Drinkwater apparently during the week denied a player option to stay there and I really think he's still a possibility to play in the halves. If all those guys are the ones that turn out need to be fitting into our side somehow to make us the best possible side, I'm fine with that. Mm. Even if it is a constructed number seven. We got to the grand final last year chopping and changing our house pairings, but just best players in. So if Pappenhausen gets the fullback and Croft goes and Drinkwater ends up playing the halves or Hughes replaces one of the wingers for Christ's sake. The way Suley's form has been hot and cold this year, I'd have no problems with Hughes playing on the wing. The best part of his games is carry. And he's tough and he's consistent. 
yeah, for, for me, it's just best players on the field. So if they're not confident in Croft moving forward, I think it would be probably Hughes or Drinkwater looking at taking that spot. Mm-hmm. Billy Walters is still there. I'm pretty sure he's part of the top 30. He's played residence a million times. Sure, there's at some point he's considered um, if he is part of the top 30. But yeah. Last one, Omar Haydar. Any update on Jack Hetherington? I can't see him on the injury list. He ran and hit hard last year. Just feels like Penrith could use him at the moment. And this is what I said earlier, Brock. I'm pretty sure he's not injured, but this is clearly one of those situations where internally, maybe he's out of favour. Maybe he's one of these guys, again, that during the preseason or has had something happen or behaviour around what's going on may not be up to scratch. I don't know. But he's literally been, as we've said, unsighted after being re-signed last year. So just another one of these ones at Penrith that we, we're not too sure about, unfortunately, mate. But someone they could definitely use. They could do with some fire in their forward pack at the moment, that's for sure. Mm. But clearly not living up to the standards. So, yeah. Moving on from that one. Tips, boxhead. Best bets and gossip. Not a whole lot this week from Mr. Gossip, but he sent his tips through. Shout out to the, the big fella. We'll try and get him on at some point this year. Obviously, like we said last year, some work changes have made things a bit awkward time-wise for us to line things up. We need to get him on for a chin wag and a couple of laughs. He's, he's always good for a laugh, Goss. It's been way too long. It has been. And all this brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. The boys there, uh, not the greatest of weeks. They dropped a few more units, but still a profit for the season of... I think it was 16 or 17 units, so still well and truly ahead. If you obviously bet $100 units, Brock, you're up $1,700. If you bet small like we do, $10, $20, something like that, you'd be up 170 or 340 If you're betting $20 units, they're also got an offer at the moment. They're in all sorts of sports that are golf, NFL, cricket. You would have seen some of the best bets previously last year when we did the NFL stuff, and they had some good results there. Cricket World Cup is coming up. And obviously, there's some one-days. There's the Ashes series as well. They've got the package there offering all the tips on that. You'll see the links on our pages and the NRL Gossip page. In particular, I think Matty, one of the boys in the pro sports scene, gets very heavy into the cricket betting and does very, very well. So mm-hmm. if crickets you go, check out that side of things. And obviously, keep your eyes open for that total NRL package, $100 discount on your season total. And if you do not get a profit from the package for the year, you get the next year free. But tips last week. We did all right, Boxhead. You tipped five. I tipped seven last week. Nice. I had a good week. Gossip the poor bugger. He only tipped one. <laughs> he had an absolute barren Jesus. He tipped the Titans. He tipped the Eels. He tipped the Dragons. He tipped the Raiders. He, he went in everywhere. And fell in plenty of potholes, unfortunately, the poor bugger. So he was leading after about five weeks, and now he's a fair way back in last. So hopefully things change for Mr. Gossip. And our best bets, uh, finally, we got back on some of the winning bag wagon. You went one from two, but very, very close. You had the Dogs and New Zealand, 475 multi. That's a good one. Mm. So that probably makes up for having the other one as a loss. But you had Raiders and Newcastle, I think. So very, very close in that one as well. I had two winners this week. I had Newcastle head-to-head at $2.20, which obviously paid out. No worries. And I had South wanted to talk at 285 So season totals, still not the greatest. You're 5 from 20. I'm 7 from 20. But some value money. Yeah, but it's not about, it's not about the about profit. Uh, it's about the odds. I've got one at 6 to 1. Yeah, good odds, man. Good odds. Hope the fans followed me in, mate. Yeah. Like I said, not a whole lot happening as far as uh, gossip this week. The only kind of few little bits and pieces that had been heard, obviously, Corey Oates potentially re-signing or supposedly re-signing four years with the Brisbane Broncos, around $2.4 million. Tabeta Pangai Jr., very, very keen to stay there. The Roosters, obviously, now in the market when they got the money free uh, from the Cooper Crunk retirement, they're keen to have a crack, but Brisbane quietly confident. They're also looking at a 16-year-old Sam Walker who just played in the Melbourne Cup in Queensland. He's touted as an extra replacement, which I find very funny 
They're already talking about someone who's a couple of years away when they've got Lachlan Lamb, Brock Lamb still to make a decision on possibly during the origin period. I think Lachlan got injured on the weekend, which is going to hurt them during origin because I'm sure they would have wanted to play him with Kiri possibly being out. But I think you've got a, a few players there they can possibly look at first before they have to worry about a 16-year-old. But young Sam Walker, who's been playing up there, is highly sought after Australian Rugby Union and eight or nine NRL clubs are potentially after him. So, mm. um, yeah, some situations there. And two from Melbourne. Drinkwater apparently has opted out of a player option for next year, so he's obviously keen to be on the move, so maybe thinking he's not getting an opportunity now with Pappenhausen playing fullback. So there'd be plenty of clubs, I'm sure, interested after the little glimpse they got last year of getting him in. And the other one was the Joe Stimson move, potentially before June 30, to go to the Bulldogs. So I have to wait and see what happens there. But there, there you go. Gossip for this week. Now on to our tips, brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Let's have a look at the odds and the lineups this week, Boxhead. And the first game we've got is the Eels versus the Panthers. Bank West, Thursday night, Battle of the West. Parramatta, regardless of the results, doing a hell of a lot better than the Penrith Panthers this season. And a lot of moves to power this week. Brad Tucker, Rangi, and Daniel Alvaro have been benched. Tim Manor is back to start. Mike Acevo returns on the wing. Blake Ferguson's pushed into the centers. George Jennings moves from right to left wing. David Gower is onto the bench. And Oregon Kafusi has been dropped. So... Few changes there, and then the Panthers, huge changes for them. Josh Mansell's back in the side. Brian Two or Toto holds his spot. Dallin has been dropped from the side. The Y comes in for Maloney at five eight with him suspended. Frank Winnerstein is in the back row. Regan Campbell Gillard recalled straight away to start. Fisher Harris back to lock. Tim Grant and Liam Martin on the bench. Kate Ellis has been dropped. With all due respect to Tim Grant, if you're running around with him in your side, you're battling. So Regan Campbell Gillard's got to step up. He's a young bull. Uh Tim Grant was brought there for depth uh, in case they had injuries. Not to be there carrying the can for the Panthers because mm. um, he's at the back end of his career and he's been a fantastic player everywhere he's gone. But these younger boys who are touted to be the next generation need to step up for Penrith. Bankwest Stadium, Thursday night, local derby. Uh, Parramatta spanked Penrith at home in round one. So they can't find reasons to get up for this game. They're kidding themselves. Yeah, well, simple for me, para at para. They've shown so far. Yeah, I'll tip, to get up I'll tip the para, but... Penrith aren't going that well. They're so not. I'll stick with Parramatta. Mr. Gossett, loyal to the Panthers. He's going with them with the Pro Sports Syndicate. $1.46 for the Eels, two seventy. the Panthers, minus six the line. One to twelve para two ninety three ninety for the Panthers. Thirteen plus para two seventy five six seventy five for the Panthers. First Friday night game is at Brookvale. It's your mob, the Titans, versus the Manly Seagulls. No changes Manly. for Des Hasler's side. On your side, some key changes. Foto Aker Manly. is starting. Jack Stockwell so is out for the out expense. Shannon Boyd is back on the bench, and Keegan Hipgrave has been included on the bench. Uh, for me, this is the better of the round with the odds. Manly. I'm going Manly. Mr. He's brought Riley Jacks into the extended bench, which is interesting. Hopefully he punts Taylor and I'm puts Jackson. I'm pretty sure he's been there most weeks and he still hasn't used it. Hasn't so. he? Okay. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to make a change. I don't change, think he's been there the last few weeks, but I could be wrong. I like the odds for this one if you want to use it in a multi or head-to-head. But Manly with the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.47, dollar for the Titans. Only minus six a line. To be honest, I'm surprised the line is what it is. It's at Brookvale. This is a side that's beaten a couple of quality sides and punched well above their weight. And yeah, no offense to you, blokes, but he's been dog shit. Uh, minus six is the line. 1 to 12, Manly 290, 390 for the Titans. 13 plus 275 for Manly, 675 for the Titans. Friday night blockbuster, the way things have worked out now. Newcastle 4 in a row, red hot form. Roosters off the back of that loss, but last game before the origin period. Ponga 
Pierce up against the Red Hot Rooster side and a couple of ex-Roosters, Kenny Dow, Connor Watson, Mitchell Pierce, obviously, up against their former club. As far as their side is concerned this week, no changes. Connor Watson's been named to start at 5-8, but he made way for Kurt Mann, so wouldn't be surprised if they stick with that again and make that late change for the Roosters. Couple of key returns. Boyd Cordner is back after last week, as is Daniel Tupo. Ryan Hall drops back out of the side, as does Lindsay Collins, pushing Mitchell Orbison back to the bench. Thought Ryan Hall wasn't too bad, considering he got some touches, but what a game to come into. Suncorp, 12 months off an ACL injury. He got bombarded a few times, that's for sure. But I think he needs a couple of weeks to find some confidence back with that knee. Um, I'll tip the Roosters, but I really hope the Knights bring it. I'm going to stick with the Roosters as well because I don't think they want to lose two heading into this Origin. This takes me back to the early 2000s. Johns yeah. v Fitler. Two good teams. It was just Friday night football. Whenever these two sides played, it was just Friday night football. Well, we've got a cracker battle on our hands here. Fitzgibbon's a really good back row. So is Barnett against Cordner. Crichton, you've got Rhea Hargroves up against Clemmer. Pierce against his old club, Cronk and Keary. Ponga, Tedesco, Ramian, Mitchell. Like, there's some real red-hot combinations here to go head-to-head in some key positions. There are a lot of guys that are potentially going to play some rep football. So hopefully a cracker game. We're all on the Roosters, but hopefully we get a good result here. With the Pro Sports Syndicate, Newcastle, 285 outsiders, $1.42 for the Roosters, minus 6.5 is the line. 1-12 to Newcastle, $4.290 for the Roosters, 13-plus Newcastle, $7.265 for the Roosters. Raiders, Cowboys meet for the second time this season down in the nation's capital. For the Raiders side of things, they got through last week uninjured for the first time in a long time, and they get back Joe Tapine this week, so they drop out Sebastian Chris. Cowboys, Geller Mosby comes onto the wing with Ben Hampton out of side, and Josh McGuire is in the reserve, so a possibility of playing this week. Canberra in Canberra after a couple of tough losses. I have to go with them because, again, if they're going to lose maybe yeah, two or three Canberra. in Origin and after a couple of tough losses, I'm sure they'll be keen at home to get a win before Origin. Canberra. You're on the Raiders, Mr. Gossip as well. Cowboys, uh, while there were some good signs last week, have been a bit patchy. But going with that, clean sweep on the Raiders and the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.44 the Raiders. Cowboys, two seventy five minus six and a half the line. One to twelve Canberra, two ninety four dollars for the Cowboys, thirteen plus two sixty five for the Raiders. For the Cowboys, seven dollars. Warriors Broncos potentially another cracker, and the Warriors always give the Broncos trouble. Generally, don't they? From memory, mm. the last couple of years there's been mm. some upsets. But going back home, full of beans and confidence. Roger Tuivasa-Shek, what a hell of a player he is to watch. And Nick Arima, only a couple of weeks removed from being released from Brisbane up against his old side. For the Warriors, the only change: Bunty Afoa starts. Anisha Parsi, who's been red hot, is suspended. Blair is back on the bench for the Broncos. Same 17-man squad. Tavita Pengai's been chose to start at lock after a late promotion last week while Flegler has been named on the bench. Jimmy the Jet is among the reserves for this week. I'm going to go the Broncos because I think this is necessary before the origin break. Yeah, Broncos, and they'll be one of my bets of the round. $1.94. I don't think the Warriors are going to make it easy for them. Let's put it that way. So you're on the Broncos head-to-head? Yeah. Outsiders, I think. That's good value. Well, the odds, $1.94, the Pro Sports Syndicate for the Broncos. The Warriors at home, $1.84, the line, minus one. $1.12, $2.90 for the Warriors. $3.05 for the Broncos. $13 plus is $4.33 for the Warriors. $4.75 for the Broncos. South versus the Tigers. Not an easy game for South. And like I said last week, a couple of guys under injury caught the clouds. Turner didn't end up playing in that one. Reynolds was very, very close apparently to not playing. And then looking this week, 
Turner's not named again. So Ethan Lowe, their third different centre to fill in there, is back out in that spot. Um, yeah, and they've got Dean Britt, who was called in late last week, back on that bench. They can't even put 21 players in for the reserves this week. So I don't know if that means they've got that many injuries. They don't have a couple of guys that they can use at this point in time, but they've only named 20. The Bunnies, not 21. Well, yeah. And on the Tigers side of things, Paul Momorowski comes into the centres. Robert Jennings moves to the wing, and Mahe Fanua is out of the side. That almost won last week, so... That's one that divides a lot of fans. A lot of fans have been asking when Mahe was going to be dropped for David Nofaluma, but Nofaluma's not back on the side. I haven't done a lot of cup games this year, so I haven't seen how he's playing, but clearly, again, is that a an ego thing? Is there something going on training-wise or whatever? But clearly not in Maguire's plans at this point in time. He is in the extended squad, though, looking here in Jersey 18 for one of the first times, I think, this year. So Nofaluma, does he feature this week? I'm not 100% sure, but they gave a great effort. Last week, I think they'll be bitterly disappointed, and I think they'll be keen, especially with Maguire up against his old club. Again, even though uh, Seabold's obviously not at the helm, but I just think similar deal again. A team like South at 9-1 have every right to probably have a poor effort before Origin or lose this game, but with players potentially heading to Origin, I think Bennett's going to want them to win. So I'm going to stick with South yeah, to get South. the job done. Just got a question, actually, a late one on Instagram. Um how do you think George Burgess leaving South will go? I've always thought the Burgess family took up too much cap space and he's been struggling lately. Thoughts on his impact on the team if he were to leave, positive or negative for the brothers? And that's from Jonah Dintz on Instagram. So. Well, I think Sam was there without his brothers and I know they've been there since and Luke moved on at some point. And I think they all know that the circumstances is more... George has got a hip injury, apparently. Like, mm. real bad hips. He had a massive off from Parramatta and he didn't take it because he doesn't want to play for anyone but South. But he's almost apparently resigned to the fact that he may not be able to play anymore. So I think it's more an injury thing and a health issue that may seem forced out. So I don't think it will affect the brothers at all. I think he'll stay here. No, they'd obviously prefer to stay together, but understand it's a business. But if he uh, if he can't play, he's going to retire. Correct. That's, yeah, he's not going to play anywhere else. Not leaving. Yeah. yeah. So if he were to go somewhere else, it'd be interesting. And they had to play against each other, and he well, left. He already had that option. And I don't think it's going to happen. Mm. Parramatta chased him pretty hard, didn't they? Yeah, and he doesn't want to play for anyone else, and he admits he's got some injury problems. So he may be. Done. If he went back to England to play, they'd have an issue with that. Yeah. There's some talk that Leeds or someone else might have had some interest. But again, if health is the issue, he may retire early. He's got other avenues, apparently. We all know that a couple of years ago he rapped and did a few random bits and pieces on TV and he wants to be an actor. So he may go another way. Who knows? Yeah. But I don't think it'll affect him. They've got Bennett there. They've got a good side. I think they're more focused on trying to win some comps. So. South for all of us, including Mr. Gossip as well. And with the Pro Sports Syndicate, they're $1.34. The West Tigers, $3.25, minus 7.5 the line. 1 to 12, South, two ninety four fifty for the Tigers. 13 plus, South, two fifty seven dollars for the Tigers. Storm Dogs at Belmore, the only game I'm pretty sure at Belmore this year. And Melbourne in the past have struggled there a few times. So Dogs gave him plenty to handle at the start of the year. Wouldn't surprise me again, but Christian Crichton is the only change there. He replaces Ockenbore on the wing, who had a foot injury from the weekend. For the Storm side of things, Jerome Hughes is back into fullback. Pappenhausen goes back to the bench with Christian Welch out with a knee injury. I'd be interested to see if there's a late change here somewhere with the Melbourne Storm as far as a reshuffle. Uh, I don't know if that will be the case. And from what I've seen from their cup side, they've been going absolutely outstanding. But big Tino Fasamalulawai, the big fella that I talked about, is only 19, who's a very large human being, close to two metres tall, 105 kilos. He's been playing some good football, so it wouldn't surprise me if uh, he finds himself on the bench in the next coming weeks during the origin period, possibly if Finucane and Felice Cafusi are gone to get introduced mm. into that side. But what, what would you expect? Do you think Papanazan will stay on that bench role or do you think there might be a reshuffle for Hughes? I'd... I don't think he'd drop you. Like, let's be honest. I'd drop Sebo. Whether you love 
what you've seen from Pappenhausen so far, Jerome Hughes is probably the most consistent player week to week for Melbourne, mm. besides Cameron Smith. I think you play Hughes in, in the centres and stiffen up, because I think Seve's just vulnerable offensively. Slot Hughes in there and Pappenhausen at one, that's a stronger team. I would argue. Like you said before, get the best. As many good players. I don't, players don't really want to have Smith and Pappenhausen on the bench. I know Smith can cover nine, but I think it just leaves you a little bit short. I'd like to have another middle or a back row on the bench. Yeah, well, I think Melbourne. Melbourne, obviously. Whether yeah. they're away again, similar deal. Origin cleansing is about to come with a couple of players out. I'm sure they'll want to win the Bulldogs. Generally, always give them their best effort though. Mister Goss agrees. He's on the Storm at the Pro Sports Syndicate. A dollar twenty-eight. Uh, Melbourne three sixty-five for the Dogs. Plus nine and a half the line there for the dogs. One to twelve dogs four seventy five three dollars storm thirteen plus dogs nine dollars two twenty storm. Last game of the round rivalry game dragons versus the sharkies, and this one is at Win Stadium. Couple of big changes here after that loss. McGregor has rung in the changes. Matt Dufty has been dropped as has Michaeli Ravalawa. Zach Lomax goes back to his preferred position of fullback. Ewan Aiken comes back into the centre position. Jonas Pearson comes in on the wing. And as I said before earlier, Reese Robson's onto the bench with Corbin Sims to return as well with Josh Kerr dropping out. So clearly with what they've done here, Sims will be getting more minutes. Reese Robson coming on tells me that McInnes is going to spend some time at lock defensively because they don't really trust a few of the guys they've had. So I don't mind the changes he's made, in all honesty. And I think Lomax will be probably safer at the back under the high ball than Dufty has been more recently. Dufty last week got targeted by taller players like Edric Lee, Sean, Kenny Dow. It's not that he's not a good player with a football in his hands, but if you can isolate him in a one-on-one contest, he does struggle sometimes under the high ball. Mm. So I think Lomax may bring a point of difference. And to be honest, as we said, there's been errors out of Ravalo. There's been errors out of Dufty. Lomax hasn't been guilt-free defensively on that edge, but clearly they're just trying to shake things up this week. So I don't mind this change. For the Sharks side of things, uh, they've got no changes, but Matt Moylan is in the reserves. So yeah. if that happens, I'd assume maybe Aaron Gray is pushed out. Dugan goes back to a wing and they leave Sherry in and put him on the wing. But who do you like in this one? This is, I think this is one of the harder games to tip. Hard. Where is it at? It's at Wind Stadium. Yeah, what, is that Wollongong or is that That's Wollongong. Here? Yeah, Wollongong. I'll go with the Dragons. But again, it's only the home field philosophy that I've been applying. I thought the Sharks were poor on Sunday. Mainly were good, but it was a home game. Yeah, uh, with the you know, well after impressive win against Melbourne, three losses in a row. I'm going to be going with the Dragons as well at home. And before then they squeaked origin. out against the Titans, obviously Cronulla. They were too, they had plenty to play for on Sunday and at home. Scamo was there. Bash might have been there. Well, look, mate. I just think for the shark side of things, Brock, like mm-hmm. for feeders pushing on through injuries, so is Matty Pryor. Who are you tipping? Dragons. I'm tipping the Dragons. Mm-hmm. Three losses in a row just before Origin. Four in a row, isn't it? Three. They've rung in the changes. Sure. Yeah. Two losses to start the season in a row. Yeah. Then they won four in a row. Now they've lost three in a row. Mm. Or is it four in a row? No, I think it's four in a row, man. Well, who did they lose to? We watched them lose to Power. They lost to the Warriors. They lost... Oh, the Roosters. You're right. Mm, so they've four. gone two, four, four. No, we were talking about it on the two hill. Two losses, I'm four sure wins. You said this would be four. This would be four straight losses after four straight wins. Yeah. Well, you said that to me on the hill on Roosters. Sunday. Yeah, Anzac Day, Roosters. Eels game. They Eels. blew that lead, blew the Warriors lead, and then they got pumped. They could have won all three. They could have won those first three games. They Even Anzac Day, they could have won. Yeah. So it's not alarm bells, but it is in the fact that they've strung four in a row together. And look, they've played some good sides in that period. Well, again, I think with Pryor and Fafita injured and a the couple Warriors of... The Warriors at Suncorp is like a home game for the Warriors. They always get a, a heavy... Oh, they get a massive crowd, crowd in there. 
All right, best bets. You've only got one so far. You've got the Broncos head to head dollar ninety four. Um, I'll go with the Dragons as my second best bet. So Dragons head to head at a dollar ninety. Yeah. Mr. Gossip, he's on the Dragons as well. Should do the odds for that one. This who game. The, who are the Panthers playing? Parramatta. What are the odds in that game? Parramatta Panthers. We'll just to quickly finish off, a dollar ninety a piece. It's a pick'em game. The line obviously in favour of the home side minus one a dollar ninety five. One to twelve for the Sharks and the Dragons two ninety a piece. Thirteen plus for sixty a piece. As far as the tips are concerned, we only have one different for the whole round, and that is Gossip tip the Panthers. We've tipped the Eels, so clearly we're all pretty confident this week mm. in the way things are going to go. But. Uh, the odds, Panthers are two, <coughs> 270. Excuse me. And it's $1.46 for Parramatta. No, I was just more looking at the odds for Parramatta. Well, I know I want Manly in some extent. I'll go, yeah. Broncos will be my first and George will be my second. So you got Broncos head-to-head $1.94, St. George at $1.90. I want Manly, but I'm just trying to think here. Like, You're going to have to put them in a mountain. I, I'm sitting here looking at 13-plus, in all honesty. The way they've been playing and going back to Lotto Land, and I'm not really a big fan of your mob. My mob sucks. I think they could really do a number on you guys with the way the, they play their football and the effort they put in. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, the other ones look at the Roosters. I think at a dollar forty, that's not too bad a value with the Knights. But also the Knights at home after four in a row with a six and a half start. That uh, that kind of entices me as well. Hmm. There's a couple of games here that are quite difficult. Warriors traveling overseas. I'm, I'm confident, like you, maybe a one to twelve that they can squeeze, squeeze that sort of result out. But one to twelves have generally hurt me this year. But I'm going to go one to twelves again. So first one, I'm going to take the Raiders one to twelve at home to get the job done against the Cowboys. There, you do that, mate. I'm going to do that, mate. And for Manly, I want Manly. And I want to try score of some variety, Brock. But I'm just trying to think, mate. Both your edges are pretty poor. Manly like both our edges. It's just our edges that are poor. Yeah, Fucking everything's there's poor. There's plenty of spots that are poor on the field, mate. But I'm just trying to think about who would be the most likely man to crash over for the Manly Seagulls, mate. Mm. Ah, you know, bugger. I'm just going to go Manly 13 plus. That's how confident I am. I, I don't know. It's just at Brookvale, the way things have been going, it probably will blow up my face. They'll probably barely scrape home or the Titans will come out this week and probably get a result. But the way they're playing, mm. that's where I'm going. So Broncos for you, $1.94 head-to-head. Dragons head-to-head, $1.90. I've got the Raiders 1-12 to at two ninety, and I've got Manly 13-plus at two seventy-five. Well, that's us, mate. That's another week, mate. Big thank you to Penrith Solar Centre. Jump on there. Look for a system. If you're in Western Sydney, there's no one better. And the Pro Sports Syndicate, keep your eyes out for the best bets. Any promos, the cricket package promo, the NRL total package, $100 off on that one. And for us, fifth and last, support us. Like our Facebook page. Like the Twitter page. Tell any other rugby league lovers about us. And if you've been listening to us for the past six years, and I look weekly at the top charts, and we're right up there as far as some of the rugby league shows are concerned for episodes and for show popularity in general but we don't have as many reviews and ratings as some other shows that are behind us on that scale so for fuck's sake we put in two hours a week you Look, spare fucking two minutes for if us if you're on iTunes and I understand that not everyone uses iTunes but please guys rate the show review us and say just like Buzz that it was absolutely outstanding Kenty do it for the fans the players the people we don't do it for us do it for us Brock and Louie Boxhead mm. and fathead. And most importantly, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. 
deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.